everyone and welcome back to anime is for jerks my name is cass i am alex and this month we are talking about cowboy bebop directed by shinichiro watanabe and produced by sunrise alex what did you think of this show i mean you know i know what you think about it but tell uh, tell the audience like i don't know like despite all its problems this is still probably the best anime ever made yeah, I rewatching it. Oh. I I liked it less this time than I liked it ten years ago. I liked uh, it, like I, okay. I definitely liked it differently, but I think less overall. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that this is the even my favorite thing that we've watched for the show. Well, uh, I mean, but I, you, 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 I know uh, uh, you feel much more strongly about Evangelion than I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, I, but I, also, I didn't see it ten years ago. I, yeah. the first time I saw it was three or four years ago yeah the last time um, i watched it was probably seven or eight years ago i liked it actually quite a lot more this time mm-hmm. this is my first time re-watching it uh, and like no actually knowing what happens made it much much better yeah this was my uh this was my first this is my first anime uh this is the first anime yeah. that i ever really watched i had seen but did not enjoy prior to this like i had seen on tv dragon ball z and i did not enjoy it uh-huh. um and i had seen my brother was really into naruto but i didn't watch it um mm-hmm. so the first anime that i actually watched intentionally was was this um, i actually don't know what my first anime was probably a miyazaki oh yeah yeah but... um yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess my first my first anime film would have been Spirited Away, which I watched before I watched Kabe Bebop because mm-hmm. it was on it was mm-hmm. on the Cartoon Network. Uh, and, but the first anime series, I guess, that I watched was was this. But yeah, um, this show is is really really fucking good. Um, and yeah, so we're watching this this month because uh, Netflix just mere mere days ago, actually two weeks ago. <laughs> Still, I mean, technically, technically, days. an interval measurable in days. <laughs> uh, put out uh, their live action version of this show, which we will 
we did not watch and we will be viciously dunking on anyway <laughs> in, dunking in absentia yeah we will abandoning wait, our, no, our wait strict... it's not in absentia we're in absentia <laughs> we're abandoning our our strict journalistic standards and go, are going to dunk on something that um <laughs> that we don't know anything about oh it's like that but it's like that this like that um that book of um french literary criticism how to talk about anime you haven't watched <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so that was my initial pitch because so when that live at, when the first trailers for that stuff came out, people were for some reason on Twitter pretending it was going to be good. Uh-huh. And I don't understand why they, they felt the need to entertain this. It's, I mean, it's the Charlie Brown football thing. Yeah. Um, but like, but like they're Charlie Brown. Yeah, I know. People, tw- Twitter, Twitter is a forest Charlie Brownification machine. Yeah, um, like it's so easy to like get wrapped up in wanting something to be good. Yeah, which like and like the the question that I have, and I guess we'll cover this first, is like why would you want it to be good? Why would you want it at all? <laughs> you know. So the first thing that I saw after the show came out. It giving me an indication that I was right the whole time and that it was bad was this tweet by Twitter user Tomato Grandpa. Uh, Damn. Which um, coming out of retirement to to, to fucking dunk on the bebop, which uh, a legend of the medium collected a few uh, screenshots of different reviews, and the first one here is from uh, from a the the really excellent AV Club review. Who wrote the AV Club review? Let me. I, I, I've been like collecting all of the good dunks on this show and putting them in my notes in my notes so I have them all here by Sam Barsanti um, for the AV Club who wrote that Netflix's Cowboy Bebop is a bloodless substitute for the real thing and he wrote the incredible paragraph unlike the anime the live action series sometimes feels like it's embarrassed to be associated with any of this things that the original expect you to just accept like character names are questioned and underlined and over explained here iconic lines or songs are dropped like someone was checking them off a list and other moments directly pulled from the source material are needlessly expanded to clearly spell out character motivations if there's a cool thing from the anime this cowboy be will fight like hell to make it sillier or stupider um <laughs> yeah it's um yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know which review this is from, but this other screenshot which says, uh, "But Nemec and Yost aren't sure how to elaborate on someone previously defined by her ab- absent sense of self, and so Faye is often reduced to a plucky space age girl boss who calls Spike a dickwad and takes out a roomful of goons while shouting, "Welcome to the ouch, motherfuckers!" Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, and which, yeah, that. There's a a really good article by uh, Gita Jackson of Motherboard, uh, who who wrote uh, an an article called "Why Does Everyone in Netflix's Cowboy Bebop Talk Like That?" Uh, <laughs> and um, which opens with the line, "What happens when fans of Joss Whedon grow up and start working in television and movies?" Netflix's uh... remake of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> um, brutal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, and and I've been seeing uh, after after the year without a Marvel movie that we had, I've I've seen a number of people who previously were de- were defending them uh, realize that they're bad. Like, so I there's a streamer that I like a lot. His name is Northern Lion, and he previously he he's not like an idiot, but he he liked the Marvel <laughs> movies, and he also watched a bunch of other movies. You know, which is how he defended himself for liking the Marvel movies. He's like, I yeah, I watched the Marvel movies, but I also watched Midsummer. Um, <laughs> 
I'm cultured. <laughs> and then okay, he was okay. and, and but he he went recently, he told a story on stream about going to see Dune, the new the new Dune, or as it is known, Dunk. Uh <laughs> as it is known on the poster, Dunk. Um and coming out of it and being like, wow, it's kind of good to watch a movie that's like like for adults like if you show this to a kid they would just be bored by it um you know and like nobody at any point says um that just happened or anything like that (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah and and it was you know, I, 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 my, my deepest hope is that the live-action Cowboy Bebop has sacrificed itself on the altar of everybody realizing this style of writing is stupid. Hopefully, um, uh, I mean, I, the, the, the even bigger kind of pipe dream is that people finally kind of start to think critically about what an adaptation is, should be, and what, like, if when when they are doing anything interesting yeah so somebody who uh, is yeah so somebody who is dumber than gita jackson uh, but uh, but also works for vice wrote an article also from another word called netflix's cowboy bebop isn't supposed to be good um and that's a galaxy brain take. it is a galaxy brain take the article is very bad and so i won't read from it but uh i will read what uh video games writer bruno diaz had to say about it uh, uh, he said, this is bait, but whatever. The truly stupid thing about this attitude is that there is a ceaseless torrent of great art you could be enjoying instead, more than you could ever possibly get to. Like, I get wanting something that's comfortable instead of challenging, but there's stuff that's comforting and also unambiguously good. Like, why in the age of way too much TV are you making a case for watching something that's by your own admission not good? Is this where the <laughs> fanboyish prohibition on panning things ends? Just straight up nihilism as media criticism? Lol, nothing matters, so might as well tune into The Slap. Um, maybe I'm testy about this because I have the yawning void of watching amazing indie games go unnoticed while games media lavish attention on AAA titles that are, by everyone's admission, mediocre. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, like, it's, it is just, like, a thing that I've talked about on Twitter before is that live-action adaptations of anime, in particular, are like an example of relentless like american cultural hegemony yeah um which is is which is to say like when when people um when people like an anime or when people like a book or when people like anything a tv show or whatever one of the first things that people often say is oh i hope this gets made into a movie and i don't understand why you would say or want that yeah like it it comes from this this place of believing that a live action hollywood movie or a tv show which at this point is just a long movie um is like the ultimate form of any story yeah yeah and it's so i don't know if it's just a i don't know if it's just a like a matter of not really like understanding how to engage with other media or or what it's because these people they they clearly like the source material because it's people who like these books and like they like these shows and they like like stuff you don't want something to be adapted unless you at least have some interest in like yeah it's 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 just swallowing the kool-aid of hegemony so thoroughly that like like if something has to be like a multi-million dollar hollywood epic for it to reach its full potential it'll be better yeah. you know and, and, and yeah. this like we were talking about i was talking about superhero movies a second ago and like this like i'm not a huge comic book person but these marvel movies and the dc movies 
suck anything enjoyable out of these comic books because the reason why reading a comic book is fun is because you get to engage with and like live with a a particular writer's version of a character for months or years across issues and you get to see them build and grow and you don't get that in a movie because at most it's three hours long and you're miserable the whole time because you have to sit in a dark room with people screaming but yeah like the live action cowboy bebop is a symptom of a broader cultural disease um that will kill all of us um you know it's and it like the the problem is is that it make it makes a lot of gestures at being the sort of thing that you not you but like the proverbial you uh like might want to root for you know like it makes some sort of token gestures um at diversification you know like i i they made they made Faye canonically a lesbian and they cast a black guy to play jet and you know and they actually cast an asian actor to play an asian guy which is like there and and you can tell like they didn't say this but you could tell they're being like aren't we so good for casting an asian guy to play spike and it's like that no that's just what you you're supposed to do yeah uh, yep 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 <sighs> anyway let's talk about uh cowboy bebop the good the good version the good parts the good cowboy bebop the good parts by o'reilly media uh, so yeah so the first thing that you see when you uh watch copy bebop is the greatest opening title sequence of all time certainly one of them yeah i, mean, I like like for, for me it's a toss-up between this and ava yeah like uh, I, I i like we, ava we, as a show more than i like bebop but we, we've talked about this i, I, I we've, we've, we've actually talked about this, this how how i like this sh- like I don't know. If, I don't know if the, we talked about how I like the show Bebop more. You like Ava more, but we did talk about how I like the intro to Ava more, and you like the intro to Bebop more. Yeah, both t- uh, opening titles are really, really good. Um, I, I might also throw the opening titles to Bubble Suit Gundam up in the mix because, man, the opening titles to Bubble Suit Gundam just get me hyped to watch Gundam. Oh, uh, it, it 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 fucking sells it. It's it's like you are you're you're here for Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden, I'm here for Gundam. Mm. But huh. yeah, like you, I remember last time you mentioned that like you, the Bebop intro fits the show more than the Ava intro fits its show. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that like like the Ava's Ava's titles, I think, get me more hype to watch Ava because a Cruel Angel's thesis is just it's such it, a banger. It's um, a it's a it's a yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's that's really why it's less it's less anything else about the Ava intro and more just how much of an absolute banger. Yeah, the but song is. like Tank is a, is a absolute banger as well, and it's true. I think that the the titles themselves are just better designed. Like they're more cohesive. That is true. Um, but yeah, visually it's a better intro, um, and but. Let's be clear. Let you, I, I think you need to you need to register yourself as a jazz pervert. Here. That <laughs> is, that is that is one of your biases. I do need to register. My, I, f- I feel like the kids on the slope episode constitutes my registering myself as a jazz pervert. That's true. Um, but yeah, um, there's a great uh, video by Linus Bowman, who's a YouTube graphic designer guy, and he did a video recently about Cobb Bebop's opening title design, which he, in which he pointed out some stuff that I hadn't realized about its influences and specifically draws a connection between it and um spy television shows of the 1960s 
um specific both musically and uh and visually and like he's totally right it it definitely draws a lot from um like the title designs of like salt bass and 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 uh he yes there's a heist movie from 1968 called the thomas crown affair which has um opening titles that are extremely similar to the cowboy bebop opening titles Mm. um which in in terms of like dividing this like dividing the space up into individual panels and like uh extremely strong use of primary colors um you know and lots of sort of like high high contrast like black and white images and stuff like that like it, it's you could absolutely see the direct line between specifically the opening titles of the thomas crown affair and the opening titles of cowboy bebop and then the other huge influence is the cover design to uh records released on blue note in like the 1950s oh. uh, blue note was a jazz record label um or is a jazz record label um that released a lot of notable recordings by John Coltrane and Miles Davis and, you know, lots and lots of other jazz legends. Um, and they had a very specific sort of in-house cover design style that is uh, obviously had an, ex- an extremely huge influence on the bebop opening titles. Yeah, and see, like, Watanabe obviously loves jazz. And I'm, I'm wondering now if that's why, like, bebop is great, Kids on Slope is uh, pretty good and carolyn tuesday's trash is because he didn't actually love pop <laughs> well the thing yeah. is is that like despite referencing um jazz in its name like bebop as a style of jazz and despite the opening title music being jazzy and there's a lot of jazz in the show but there's also a lot of other styles of music you know there's there's oh, it's, yeah it's true it's got like i mean the whole the whole thing is just a, a polyglot of yeah like different styles and both 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 musically and visually yeah and and that all goes i mean credit for that all goes to yoko kano who is a genius um and i I was yeah i mean yeah the music like like not just the music that's the sound design like i notice i notice it more watching it Mm. this time is just unspeakably good yeah the show is it sounds so good um and and uh we just before we started recording i i there was i noticed a, a post up uh, on the anime news network about why why they they thought the the live action version was bad and they thought it was just like they completely misunderstood what the show was about um but they had a, a paragraph about about the sound design mm. saying uh Net, the Netflix Bebop is an incredibly loud series, not in the sense of bad audio balancing, but in the sense it never really tries to tone itself down or dial itself back in any way. Those moments of near silence from the original are practically extinct in the Netflix version. Either it doesn't have the confidence to pull these scenes off, or more likely it doesn't find these scenes interesting, and instead chooses to fill them with comedic exchanges, completely diffusing any tension or emotional weight that could be built up. And some, yeah, something that I was... I was noticing, especially near the end of the show, is how much just silence there is. Yeah, like when 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 there isn't music, there's often just nothing at all. Yeah, there's a great video essay by uh, Every Favorite Painting about me uh, about Martin Scorsese's use of music, and I think Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. has a lot in common with uh, Shinichiro Watanabe in terms of their use of music, where he talks about. Um, it's a like five minute video about Martin Scorsese, who's widely known for his use of music, but his use of silence as well, and his ability to contrast um, very loud scenes with very quiet scenes, both musically and also in terms of like dialogue and other uh, other sound mixing. Um, 
which I think I think definitely applies to to Watanabe's style. Like he, I think it's it's very easy to notice the loud parts of this show and the parts that have like lots of music and the parts that has lots of stuff going on, and it's it's harder to notice the stuff that is more subtle. Like it, um, it, what when what I've seen of the Netflix Bebop, like the clips that I've seen going around on Twitter and stuff like that, it reminds me a lot of all the other stuff that I've seen of like obsessive Western fans trying to imitate Japanese media. Um, specifically, it reminds me a lot of like Paradise Killer, um, <laughs> which is, if you don't know, Paradise Killer was a video game that was clearly somebody trying to make their very own Danganronpa uh, or like Danganronpa, like Suda51 kind of style or like Sweary kind of stuff. And it just, it just feels like an imitation because what they don't understand about what the Netflix Bebop in its very conception fails to understand is that the thing that makes Cowboy Bebop special is that there's nothing like it. And if you try to make something like it, you are immediately starting on the back foot. <laughs> uh, you know like the, and it's, it's the same goes for if you're trying to imitate say Suda51 like what makes him great is that there's nobody like him and nobody else makes anything like it and trying to imitate him you're immediately just like you're just shooting yourself in the foot for no reason by trying to imitate somebody whose principal positive quality is that they are one of a kind um, it's, 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 it's very stupid and you shouldn't do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah just 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 make your own damn thing yeah um so let's talk about our first episode here and how how we're introduced yeah. to our characters so yeah one of the one of the benefits of of watching this again is that you see how the show kind of bookends itself yeah um like one of the like one of the, the one of the things about like television that i think is is it's best kind of the thing it can it can do that that film can't is this sort of episodic storytelling yeah. and Cowboy Bebop is one of the best yeah at this and so a lot of so show the so the parts of the show that are the kind of what we can call the core plot of like Spike Vicious and Julia are maybe a quarter of the show less like I would say like 10 uh, percent and like the majority of the show is is us following the the characters the main characters on the bebop spike jet Faye, and uh ian and ed as we kind of see them just do things that on the surface don't have anything to do with uh an overarching plot but tell us about who they are and, and how they interact and just kind of slowly give us bits about these people um and yeah in the in this first episode um we still haven't even gotten all the characters yet. It's just uh, Jet and Spike, but it's an um, the it's it's the, the little subplot of the show is uh, it mirrors the macro plot that won't even begin to be told until episode five. That macro plot, the theme being if and how you can come to terms with your past. Yeah. Or, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. So this so this episode yeah so. We our our characters were introduced to our characters. Spike Spiegel, who is a poofy-haired bounty hunter. The Wikipedia article on Cowboy Bebop says for some describes him as green-haired, which is just <laughs> false. His hair is black. I don't understand. 
under they just they just they just the first still they found it was in a weird it was in weird there's lighting there's some lighting where his were... hair looks occasionally like a very dark green his hair is black <laughs> dog <laughs> that's, that's so funny because like I was, something I was I was noticing was how strong the use of color mm. is in the show like um we've 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 talked about um someone watched now more recent stuff like Carolyn Tuesday which is a very bad show and i remember when we were recording our episode on carol on tuesday we were like why does this show look so bad yeah uh we were we were like didn't cowboy bebop look good yeah and then and then and then at the, at the time i was like well maybe the it was more just watanabe kind of works with the contemporary technology and it just so happened that the state of technology and the people he was working with in the studio like it like didn't it didn't come out ugly and rewatching bebop in some respects it didn't look as good as i remembered mm. uh the 3d is not as well integrated as a lot of stuff from that era yeah it um when when they use 3d it looks pretty bad um so from like from that sort of technical perspective uh it it demonstrates kind of an a not really a strong kind of I don't know interest in integrating kind of those styles. Uh, cinematography, like the cinematography, the use of color, are all brilliant. Um, yeah, I think what makes you... the show what the show is able to pull off is that it's just so confident. Yeah, you know, like yeah. like whenever it shows anything on screen, it's it's like and and this is just it goes through every aspect of the show is that it is incredibly confident. You know, like I was reading that. Watanabe, when he was trying to, like, rally the rest of the people at Sunrise to, like, you know, get difficult work done on the show, he would, you know, argue that they were creating something that was going to be remembered in, like, 30 years. Um, <laughs> which, like, he, and he said, like, oh, I, I don't think that a lot of people believed me, but he was happy to be proven right. Um, and, like, that kind of bonkers confidence is the <laughs> yeah. only reason this show works which is like i think a hu another huge indication of why the netflix one fails is because like it's so hard it's, it's, to be that confident and 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 that quote you mentioned before about how it takes anything like from the show and tries its damnedest to make it uncool yeah it shows how insecure it is yeah in it's in it's like adaptation of the source yeah material. like this show could like, it's it's on the knife's edge of being stupid you know and, and the, and, yeah the t like that's another thing the t the ability of this show to shift between tones oh yeah is incomparable it's inc this like, show is it, incredibly cool but it's incredibly funny and it's incredibly tense and sad and it does all of that stuff so much better than anything else and it does it all because like when a scene is funny, it commits to it 100%, and it knows you're going to laugh. And when a scene is supposed to be serious or tense, it commits to it 100%, and it knows you're going to be on the edge of your seat. And when it's yeah. and when a scene is sad, it, it knows you're going to be sad. Like it, 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 And it doesn't even it, waste time trying to convince you. Right. It knows, it, it knows when to take itself seriously. It knows when not to. Uh, and it, like... In a sense, it doesn't care what you think. It like it knows what it wants to do, and it does it. Yeah, like this. So, like this first episode revolves around Spike trying to track down a a guy named Asimov who has like he's stolen a bunch of a drug called Bloody Eye from like the Yakuza. Um, yeah. 
and and he and it's like it's like a vial of like purple and red fluid that he like shoots into his own eye as like an eye mist and it gives him superhuman fl- fighting ability and that's <laughs> dumb as shit and it's but it's so fucking cool and good right like yeah the the show just kind of it doesn't waste like, any time like on just if, trying to justif- trying trying to justify, justify itself. Yeah. Like, if you're it, not like, on e- board already, it's like fine, we're off already, buddy. I, either you accept it on its terms or you don't. Yeah. And so, and, and and like, it just it doesn't. And I think as soon as you try and justify what you're doing, you've lost. As soon as you try to kind of defend some weird decision you've made, you're you're you've you've shot your like you said shot yourself in the foot uh, and so and so it doesn't this film the film this the show doesn't try to like justify any weird thing this is just how the world is this yeah. is just ha- like like they just like this this is th- this is what the economy is where they have a tv show for the latest bounties yeah uh, a tv show for bounty hunters yeah yeah <laughs> like so there's there's a really really great uh, video essay by Mike Regnetta, who used to run, he used to run a uh, YouTube channel called PBS Idea Channel, which has been a huge influence on me in terms of how I think about media and how I think about stuff. Um, and he came back a few months ago and did a 30 minute long video essay called Dirt on a Camera Lens, um, which is ostensibly about the thing that happens in action movies where dirt gets on the camera lens. And like, mm. and it, basically his question is, why doesn't this break suspension of disbelief? Why doesn't reminding you that there's a camera there break suspension of disbelief? Um, and his argument is that suspension of disbelief is not real and it doesn't actually... Like, there's no such thing as willing suspension of disbelief. When you see something in a television show, and he, he argues this based on... Uh, um, some of like Spinoza's philosophy around uh, the way that um, so like he he contrasts so like either like the way that a lot of people think about whether you decide that something is true or not is the sort of like Cartesian way of thinking about it where you like you consider a proposition then you put it into some sort of like holding space where it's neither true nor false you consider whether it might might be true or false and then you sort it into a bucket and what Spinoza argues and what some recent psychological research seems to confirm is that actually when you when you consider a proposition the first thing that you do is you assume that it's true and then Mm -hmm. if you have any um and then if you encounter contradictions that make it impossible for it to be true then you put it in the false box but as soon as you encounter something unfamiliar you immediately just assume that it's true so there's no like sitting down even unconsciously in front of something fictional and going like ah i'm going to willingly suspend my disbelief and believe in this stupid (laughs) thing called bloody eye let us now enter the story yeah you know instead like the show just shows you this is the way the world works and you believe it because it makes sense you know and so and so and so a show show trying to justify itself is kind of consciously like like kicking you out yeah giving any sort of justification is violating the suspension of disbelief because it's acknowledging that there's some difference between the way things work between what you're being shown the way things actually work right 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 it's 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 kind of like like if you don't if you don't do anything like the person will will engage with the media but as soon as you start trying like just like internally justify it yeah you've 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 like put a frame around it 
Yeah. And you're like, this is a story. It's a good story. Please watch. You're giving them an opportunity to be like, but that's stupid. But if you just, <laughs> yeah. but if you just yeah, show yeah. them there's a drug called bloody eye and you shoot it into your eye and it makes your eye bloody and you get really good at fighting. Like, if you just show somebody that, they don't have a chance to be like, but that's dumb. <laughs> like, you, like, it's just like, too bad, motherfucker. This is how it is. Right, get get like get in, loser. Get, yeah, get like you're either here or you're not watching anymore. Like like yeah, don't yeah, wait because yeah. like don't waste don't waste my time. Uh, yeah, and it's, and it's like, so good. And like the most that the show kind of like will say is that like uh, and when that when they're kind of like reading up on the bounty, uh, Jet says something about how this guy's a nobody, and so from and and fr- so from the jump, like the show is establishing like. The like, our heroes are not the cream of the crop. These aren't like no. The, these are just, like, where's it? We're these are some losers who are chasing after other losers. Yeah, like yeah, like it's it is like this show is. People often call this show a space western, and it definitely borrows a liberally from the western genre. Like one of the first screenshots that I have is in like a classic like old west tavern for, that's yeah. for some reason in space um, <laughs> but like this show is cyberpunk as fuck um, and yeah. and that is what it is is like you get the sense you, and you occasionally in this show get glimpses of like the highest level of the food chain of like the people who are like actually in charge and making all this stuff work but this show mostly concerns itself with just like all and you you just get the sense that like the entire every plot of every episode of this show is like a postage stamp size bit of a postage stamp size bit of like what's actually going on in the solar system like there's just like we're focusing on these losers and the losers that they're trying to catch and like none of this is important at all oh speaking of speaking of dirt on the lens oh that which reminds me um like the, yeah, the first time the kind of cinematography struck me during the show was uh, when Spike is fighting the bloody eye guy near the end of this episode, and they do this really kind of like naturalistic camera panning. Yeah, when th- when they're fighting out on the patio. Yeah, of, of that. There's a fake. There's a fake handheld sequence in episode five. Oh yeah, and it's it's amazing. It's it's like it made me retroactively even matter about the terrible fake handheld sequence in the third Ava rebuild um, <laughs> because this one was done with no 3d it was done by just shaking the camera on the animation yeah. stand yeah 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 and That's it looks a to. million times better than the 3d one uh, uh-huh. Ugh. yeah to, like to, like to be fair like i i said like that when the show uses 3d it often looks bad at, in its defense, it uses 3D very sparingly. Yeah, yeah. You get the sense that it's, it's like, all of the 3D looks very much like Babylon 5 or Deep Space Nine or and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, it's like, you know, 90s sci-fi TV show where it's like, this is, we, yeah. our budget is too low for us to get somebody to build a miniature of this thing. And we can't draw, <laughs> and it's too complicated to draw. So all we can yeah. do is, like, this half-assed 3D model. And I'm like, I forgive yeah. you, Shinichiro. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Like, at, at no point, at no point did it like piss me off, yeah. like like mo- like modern abusive three D does. Because at this point, it's like you, like a, you both know better, or, and b, you can do better. Yeah, like it never feels like don't. they're flexing when they do it in this show. It feels like they're like, sorry, this is the best we could do, and I'm like, I, I, I forgive you. It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so and so yeah, all the interesting kind of 
like camera work is usually in their 2D stuff. And it's just, it's, it's just kind of either taking techniques from film or just kind of doing like the shaking of the cells. Uh, yeah, that there's like, so much like, brilliant limited animation in this show. Yeah. Like it is, this show is the greatest argument I could possibly make for limited animation being as legitimate an art form as quote unquote full animation and as live action. Like they do things with limited animation in this show that like are more effective than they would be if they were fully animated like in a Ghibli or a Disney film or if they were live action. Like mm-hmm. It's it's just it's undeniable when you watch this show that this show would have actually been worse if it were fully animated, <laughs> you know, like, ugh. Um, so yeah, so this first episode, yeah, it does it does meaningfully mirror the plot later. So we're we're chasing after this guy and his girlfriend, uh, and this guy is he's stolen a bunch of this drug, you know, um, and so Spike Spike chases after him. Um, and they, you know, they get into a gunfight at a bar and, um, Spike meets the lady under, under more peaceful circumstances and they have a conversation about how they want to escape to Mars because they're on right now, they're on like a, like a Gundam style, like inside cylinder city kind of thing. And so they're basically trying to get, get out of whatever, yeah. like, gang that they stole the, the drug from. Yeah. And try to start a new life and, and make a clean break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then Atomov shows up and like beats the crap out of Spike, but then he's stopped from killing him by by his girlfriend. Um, yeah, right. She, yeah, she, she, he, yeah, he's on. He's still kind of on on the on the eye, yeah, as they say. And he just keeps uh, taking she, more and more of it. And there's this dude. He keeps getting drawn just more and more grotesquely, and his eyes like bulge out and turn red. Right, uh, and, and and she realizes that he is like pushing himself way past his limits and that they that and that they're not they're not getting out yeah so then uh yeah so she pulls out a gun and kills asimov and then uh and then the syndicate and the cops uh close in on the ship and destroy it before spike can get there and so he doesn't get any money right Uh, Uh, yeah and that's another recurring theme is them failing to get their 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 even the, even their modest bounties yeah yeah they you know because they have to bring him in alive and so like the guy will just die before they can get there and they'll be like ah shit um and so yeah another another uh little scene that it kind of book is bookended at the end of the show is uh jet cooking a really meager dinner out of whatever crap they've got at the bottom of the barrel yeah uh, so yeah, so then in our second episode, we're introduced. I believe it's in our second episode where we're introduced to uh, to Big Shot, a puppy, and, oh, uh, and Big Shot, Big Shot, which is the TV show for bounty hunters. Uh, the show it is yeah, t- yeah, it's yeah. time for Big Shot, the show that brings you information about fugitives. <laughs> for all you three hundred thousand bounty hunters out there, yeah, for all you three hundred thousand bounty hunters out there, hosted by a blonde lady with titties all out. Um, before you before yeah. you cut your hair, you could have cosplayed her. Damn it. <laughs> Well, her hair isn't even that long, is it? It's not that long. It's like, it, well, it's down to like the middle of her back, which is pretty long. Oh, I f- oh, I'd forgotten. Okay. Um, I was looking elsewhere. Yeah, and then we get maybe my favorite fight sequence in the game, which is the f- the fishbowl one. The game! 
Uh, so yeah, so they're, they're like a dog, there's like a serial dog thief on the loose. And so Spike goes to this like exotic pet shop and then like looks at this guy through a fishbowl and like points upward at the other guy and like points upwards. And then they, they both get up and then Spike pulls out a gun and points it at him. It is so good. Um, so yeah, and then we're introduced, yes, to Ayn, uh, who is a, a corgi, uh, very cute. A very smart puppy. Yes. Um, so they bring him back. Uh, so he, so yeah, so he, so the reason there's a bounty on a serial pet thief in the first place is that Ayn was a secret experiment. Ayn is a data by, dog. By, an, by, by, a, I think either, either a private lab or a, like a government lab that is engaged in certain, uh, gray, uh, areas of research like creating data dogs like creating data dogs uh which is just like a dog that runs emacs (laughs) a dog it's actually a a dog that barks whenever you get an email as we learn learn later yeah and so is there much else to say about this episode not really it's 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 very similar to the first episode because yeah episode three is the kind of the official hello fey uh, episode and yeah. Faye rules. Faye is so good. Uh, That's another thing like, is that the people who made the live action Cowboy Bebop are fucking cowards and they changed Faye's outfit. And like, I <laughs> like, look, like, people, ha- I feel like people have gone full circle on this. Like, 10 years ago, everybody was like, yeah, her outfit's kind of not great. And now it's like, fucking, who cares, man? Yeah. It's, it rules. <laughs> and even beyond her, her outfit being like, like, incredibly horny yes it's ridiculously horny like whatever fine like just like her characterization like it's it's very hard to kind of like send up the femme fatale archetype without falling into some other sort of sexism yeah and for the most part it the show does it like she is very hot and she is very capable but she's also a complete disaster yeah like she feels like such a real whole person in a yeah. way that I think that is is ignored by people who are like, oh, but the outfit though, you know, like oh they got a, <laughs> yeah. they, I'm glad they fixed the outfit for the live and, action. It's like, what do you mean and fixed? I feel like I remember we had a conversation with like with maybe when we were talking with Dean. We were talking with who Dean actually has, this, yeah. who actually is a friend of the show, Dean, who hasn't actually seen the show, yeah, <laughs> or at least only started watching it when I uh, started Faye posting the other day, but how her like. She presents herself as she, she, like, she very consciously tries to fill the femme fatale archetype. Yeah. There's uh, multiple layers so, to this, right? Because, like, like, there's the argument, like, oh, well, Faye chooses to dress like that. And it's like, well, she's not real. Like, like, <laughs> people, like, you know, Shinichiro Watanabe and, and the character designers working on the show designed her to look like that because they thought she was hot. Um, but also, like, I don't think that's really a crime. Uh, I, <laughs> right, I think right, that, yeah, like, like Faye, as far as girls in anime go, Faye is approximately one billion times better than the shit that we get nowadays. Right. In terms, in terms of, like, if you're gonna talk about needless, uh, gr- like, gratuitous objectification, like, Faye's not in the conversation. Yeah. Like, yes, there's objectification, but like, it's relatively mild and. Like it actually does, like, work 
with her character. I'm not saying that's why they did it. I'm not saying they that there wasn't some aspect of we did it because it's hot. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, she does, she is an exceptionally insecure person. And, like, she because she lost her memory, because she has very little, like, understanding of who she is and where she fits in and, like, she, she has no sense of belonging, she puts forward a really kind of, like, she puts forward this front of being this, like, incredibly, like, seductive, capable woman, in, in which, for, which she can be, but she's also a mess. Yeah, and she, yeah, like, like, when I, going back to watch this, I expected her, like, her appearance and, like, that stuff to be more cringy in retrospect than it was when I watched it 10 years ago and didn't know anything about any of this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, but, like, honestly, it's so much less... Like, I I feel, like, there's a lot less, like, explicit, like, fey fan service yeah, in this show then, than there is in, like, fucking ReZero or any of that shit, yeah, and like, you know? Yeah, like, probably, be, probably, we've probably gotten desensitized from, like, modern trash that is, that is, like, the, wor- the worst that, like, honestly, the worst that happens is, like, like, whenever there's a phone call, she'll, like, lean in and yeah. you get a you, like you like you get a good uh look at her tits yeah like like the, probably like, the, the the most fan servicey is the outfit that she wears in episode four where uh her, <laughs> when she yeah she put that's she puts on a dress that's five I, oh, that's five. five when she infiltrate when she infiltrates right, yeah. um the syndicate yeah she puts on a dress that just Wow, the boobs does the, does 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 incredible things to her boobs. The boob bounce is lovingly animated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine like, if like, every time you like, put your foot down, it imparted like like twenty kilonewtons to your tits. <laughs> like that episode, and then the the Andy the Himbo cowboy episode. They they put her in dresses that that really like make her tits look tremendous yeah, like Other her tits that, look fantastic in the and in the in the andy the cowboy episode but they don't bounce all that much because that is correct there it's like more of a push-up situation um right, right. where they're 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 but held saying, pretty rigidly like, in place and she, but i'm saying like they 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 show some restraint yeah. in in like putting Faye in ridiculous outfits for the sake of it yeah and it, yeah they show some restraint and like her outfit is i yeah i don't i don't mind it at all uh, and by I don't mind it, I mean I like it because she's hot. I mean, her, the in the 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 himboy cowboy episode, like himboy cowboy, like, <laughs> like the, I like yeah, that whole look is is fantastic. It's so good. I love in that episode she she's like they're at like this masquerade party and she said and she looked turns to this like random guy next to her and is like did you know that a serial bomber is supposed to appear this evening and he says completely nonchalantly you know to tell you the truth i didn't (laughs) (laughs) the most professional waiter you've ever met uh no yeah like in my in my show notes i had like little headers for the episodes and i just wrote the worst himbo he sucks he like we've talked before about kind of uh the the conceptual definition of the himbo, how like earlier in its use, <laughs> it was it was uh, kind of more just like 
a big meathead. Now it has all these connotations around niceness and being a cinnamon roll. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll get to it later. But yeah, yeah the, the prototypical himbo, himbo has become like Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove. Um, but yeah when i when i say the cowboy himbo this dude's a fucking asshole he sucks (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so yeah so in episode three we're introduced to to faye and uh the wikipedia article uh uh, on cowboy bebop says uh emphasize to emphasize her situation when she's first introduced she's compared to poker alice a famous western figure I guarantee you, way more Americans know who Faye Valentine is than know who Poker <laughs> Alice is. I didn't know Poker Alice. Was, I didn't know that was a reference to a real Poker person. Alice was a real, a real, a real English person. Oh, so that, but that's clever. Like I, uh, I, I. By the time I got to the later sh- episodes, I had forgotten that that bit where, uh, yeah. So she's being blackmailed by some dude in order. To, um, because she's in debt, so he he blackmails her into working for her, and yeah, when when he's when he's he drags her in and gives her the, the little uh, bit of exposition that we the audience need to know who she is, he compares her to this poker Alice, and then she says something about, I or is it about how poker Alice died many many years ago, and I'd forgotten that line, but we learn later that Faye was in cryo for 54 years yes uh and so that's a that's a cute little uh parallel yeah um but 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 we'll come to that later uh what what is she what is she hired for um she is hired Faye is uh there to arrange this handoff of of this um computer chip hidden in a poker chip yes the platinum chip the Platinum Chip. Wait, this is Fallout New Vegas. This is literally Fallout New Vegas. Yes. Okay, just checking. Which came first? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 um, given that uh, this is this show and will never take itself too seriously when it doesn't have to, uh, we get an extremely goofy little. Uh, case of mistaken identity. Yes, where where the dude who's supposed to pat hand off the chip to Faye bears an uncanny resemblance to our good friend uh, Spike. He Spiegel. looks like a like disheveled like version of Spike, uh-huh. like just like a shitty disheveled version. Uh, also, like you know, looking through my screenshots, one thing that I I really appreciated this time watching through um, was like how committed the background artists were to like the extreme mix of different languages um, used on signs in the background. It's mainly Uh, English and Chinese used on signs in the background, but I like there's signs that I have screenshots of that are in German. There's signs that I have that are in Spanish. There's all sorts of stuff. And it adds a lot of really good texture to the world that wouldn't be there if everything was in English or if everything was in Japanese. So yeah. So, so yeah. So she gives, she gives the chip to spike or um and then and then is like or no she she asks for his last chip yeah he he's supposed to hand the 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 person she mistakes him for is supposed to hand off his last chip to her after sort of a sort of a, a carefully orchestrated bit of betting um but because Spike is not the person she's supposed to meet he's like oh, I'll keep this last chip as a and then he souvenir. eats it. <laughs> Yeah, like the 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 fact that yeah, the, like Spike and Faye are like 
they they take turns just being complete what i what i realized near the end of this show is so like it's a sort of popular reading to read jet and spike as gay and i don't want to deny that reading to anybody because i think it's it's it makes sense but jet is everyone's dad oh yeah jet is everyone's dad and spike is like the fuck up older child faye is the fuck up middle child and uh ed is the fuck up is the child who is not old enough to fuck up yet but soon will <laughs> and then there's a dog. Yeah, and then there's a dog. Like, like they're it's just it's, they're they're just yeah. Jed is everybody's fuck up dad, and he's just he's because he's just so earnest that he just he cooks for everybody, and he takes care of his bonsai, and he's always trying to be so nice to everyone and and try to be so practical. And Spike just just going around eating poker <laughs> chips. <laughs> I mean, the, the the great thing is though that like Jet can be incredibly like petty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, He's, uh, like he he's not like no just, he's not good at yeah, being yeah, a dad. Yeah, 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 not right, right. He's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, all the characters are yeah fuck ups in their own kind of in their own way, and like it's it's yeah it's it's great how they are also like sympathetic, but also just like can be so infuriating, uh, in such a realistic way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, then they, what happens next? Like, uh, Spike, like, he gets into, like, a fight with the real guy who has the real chip. Well, no, he bumps into the guy with the real chip, and it, like, both, they they bump into each other, and each, one, like, they, they knock... They both have their hand in their pocket, fingering the, their own respective chip. And so both chips fall out, swap places, and they pick them <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> and then, and so then the the real dude scarpers, and then all of the mobsters descend on Spike, and he beats the shit out of all of them, because despite him being a turbo fuck-up, he is extremely good at uh, CQC. Yes. And, where why, meanwhile uh the and then yeah he he gets a big fight and escapes the real guy is caught uh they they tr- they take his chip it's been swapped by accident and they they they, th- they think he's double crossed them and so they just shoot him yeah and so that's another thing about this show like it's it's very like it's very moving like i would i like i genuinely like teared up multiple times near the end yeah uh which i did not expect to happen but what like the the best way to describe it it kept coming back to me was unsentimental like it like it doesn't kind of like it it uses sentimentality where it's necessary but like like everything else in this show it doesn't like it knows when to switch tones. It knows when to. It understands that it lives in a world where serious. everybody is on the like everybody is one or two bad decisions away from being killed. Yeah, and so and so when someone is killed, like it's it just happens. Yeah, like you don't, you don't get this. You don't get like a you don't get like sad music and like weeping. Like this is a shit world where people die all the time. Yeah, and when it happens, it happens. Uh-huh. Like I think the best instance of that is the um a couple episodes on with the 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 poorest sap in the world looking after his um trying to get laser eye surgery for his sister mm. uh like, oh, yeah. like like his death i feel like really kind of is a, a the closest it gets to sentimentality 
in a character death, uh, but without actually being kind of that. When I say sentimental, I mean in, in the kind of the over the top cloying sense. Yeah. In it, which it never, never does. Yeah, but like it barely wastes any time in that sequence because he just dies, and then it's like, well, Spike's like, and then Spike's like, well, I gotta get out of here, or I'm gonna die too. Like seconds yeah, later, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's no time to like mourn him because he has to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, how do they wind up? Faye winds up with a bounty on her so, head. So yeah. So 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 at the end of episode three. Um, like they all kind of escape on their respective ships. Then they don't actually like end up together on the bebop until episode four, uh, because like Faye escapes. Yeah. And then she runs out of gas and she finds a weird suitcase. Right. And she finds, yeah. Um, so she's just like, like drifting through space, trying to get anyone to give her a lift, (laughs) uh, and, and resolutely failing. Uh, this is the Environmental Liberation Front episode. Yes, yeah. There, there. This sh- made me realize there's a lot of terrorism in this show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's it, it, yeah, it's interesting to like that this like the show is very much made like pre nine eleven, yeah. where like like terrorism can be funny. <laughs> it was like, but it also simultaneously like a lot of the terrorism reminded me of uh, like Amshinrikyo. Um, ah, which happened in 95? Yes. So, yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, Amshinrikyo was a Japanese doomsday cult that perpetrated a sarin gas attack on the Tokyo subway in 1995. Um, we've brought it up on this podcast before because it was the direct cause of the second half of Neon Genesis Evangelion being weird. Um, because they oh, had to, they had that. to dump uh, on that show. They had to dump a chunk of completed work that resembled the real life attack, um, <laughs> and so they had to redo several episodes. And which is why the end of that show is kind of strange. Um, I'd forgotten. That. And um, yeah, so like like, uh, but it also yeah, like there, terrorism yeah, there's, there's is of- like. There's a lot of eschatological terrorism. Yeah, yeah, uh, like definitely, like like there's an episode later with a a like literal like weird sort of like very Amshirikyo esque like Buddhist digital doomsday cult kind of thing um, that is super super Amshirikyo. But uh, like all of this stuff, like it definitely feels like a reaction to a deadly terrorist attack that happened in Japan. You know, in the same way that a lot of stuff made after 9/11 is a reaction to 9/11. Um, in the United yeah, States, yeah. and but also like in the 1990s, like it's not like terrorism was invented on 9/11. Um, no. You know, like like it, it's it's uh, like, and it, it what it was like, what was interesting for me, I guess, was like retrospectively, like providing a weird window into how sort of inevitable something like 9/11 was, um, mm. because of especially terrorism on u.s soil which surely you know all of the directors were aware about stuff like the oklahoma city bombing and then like um waco and ruby ridge which weren't terrorist attacks but were sort of related um you know and and other stuff that was happening like the 90s were a time with a lot of weird doomsday cults and a lot of weird people blowing up bombs in places it was weirdly tense for a time that we look back on as being like nowadays like as we look the, back, the stable yeah period. the stable period it was there was a lot of 
It was very much not. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very much not bad, and especially not in Japan. Like Japan, the '90s in Japan were, you know, a lot like the past ten years were here. It was a time of a lot of political instability, and there was the. It was, you know, it's referred to as like the lost ten years because of the uh, asset price bubble bursting in 1988. Um, play the era. Yes, play the era, um, and it's yeah, um, and so like the the '90s. In Japan in particular, like the 90s were big for cults everywhere, but they provided this very fertile ground for cults in Japan because there were a lot of unemployed people all of a sudden yeah. uh, who were looking yeah. for meaning in a world where that, that no longer needed them or no longer wanted them. Um, you know, and, and it was it was weird to think about that while watching Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. When I said when I said it, it was kind of funny, like the this kind of oh yeah, the two this environment, the Liberation Front, uh, like sort of group, like they go around, they wear rabbit uh, masks, wearing... and they're led by like a weird, like extremely divorced grandma. <laughs> who, who they're all her grandkids, who like, and she turns one of them into an ape for not like doing the dishes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so this this episode is about you remember that bit from Garth Marenghi's Dark Race, Dark Place, where he's like, "I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards." What I wanted to know is if we continue to pay doctors peanuts, will they literally turn into monkeys? And no one's asked that before. Someone has asked that before. Shinichiro Watanabe asked that before. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, the the kind of the the importance of this episode is that it kind of finally brings Faye onto the yeah onto the ship so the the terrorists have developed a virus that will turn everyone into apes as some sort of symbolic statement about environmentalism fuck they invented uh, nfts shit they invented nfts oh, oh my fucking god non-fungible terrorism <laughs> fuck this is a warning about nfts shit and 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 the yeah, our particular clowns have developed a virus that'll turn people into apes, and they're threatening to use it on this planet unless they uh, stop f- the fishing of this endangered species. The Ganymede like, Sea Rat. The Ganymede Sea Rat, correct. And uh, what the the one of like the uh, NCR fucks, whatever it was, the uh, ISSP, the like. Fed, like this federal space police they had sent a fucker to infiltrate the terrorist group he had stolen the virus and then died and so so when Faye is floating through space she comes across his ship finds the virus uh and that kind of sets off the whole comedy of errors which i've forgotten yeah the rest of <laughs> Can you can you can you help? Uh, I will try. So yeah, so they're the eco terrorists. They're pulling off all this stuff, and they're going. Spike and Jet are going after this bounty on the extremely divorced grandma, who is. Uh, and so they they run into Faye, and they put her. They cap. They catch her back on the ship, and because she took some right. stuff from them, and then they get this virus. So they, they've captured See, her. They've captured the extremely divorced grandma because Spike goes to like a dinner where she perpetrates a mass shooting and then ki- and then captures her. Um, and then they, it turns out that like when they go to turn in the bounty, the bounty's been canceled, right. and she's really smug about it. Like she knew she was, she knew it was going to happen the whole time. And so then Jet calls up one of his old cop connections because Jet used to be a cop, um, but he realized mm-hmm. that all cops are bastards, so he quit. 
Uh, his, <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not why he quit. Uh, and he <laughs> he calls this other cop on the phone, and then we get like a view of this other cop, and his entire office <laughs> is just covered in like pinups of naked ladies, and he's reading a porn magazine. Uh, <laughs> that yeah yeah, yeah that, the that cops. Counts. Um, yeah, like yeah, the like the like one of Faye's best lines is she's like, "Jet used to be a cop. That's why we don't get along." Yeah. Um. So yeah. So and then we we find out what the virus is. It's called monkey business. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah. And then uh. So 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 yes yeah, right. So, so she's th- so threatening to the, release the, the virus, and then they there's like a chase through hyperspace. And right, so they haven't heard back from their 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 spy. So they assume he's been captured and they've retrieved the virus, so they have no leverage. So she she's basically like, uh, release me or we release the virus. And that's why they canceled the bounty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they're they release so they release the virus anyway, and they stop two of the virus missiles, and then. The, one of the one of the missiles gets trapped in hyperspace, and then the other people get trapped, uh, the or like the grandma and her and her pals get trapped in hyperspace forever, and then a vial of the virus that they have on the ship breaks and turns all right. of them into so, monkeys, yeah. and then they're trapped yeah. as so monkeys there's, in there's, hyperspace there's forever. This, there's this there's this goofball bit when like everyone's on the bebop, so like uh they they they. Yeah, Spike is, try, is doing the and, thing where you're, like, trying to open, like, one of those, like, plastic blister packages, and you don't have a pair of scissors. He's, so <laughs> he's just, like, he's just like banging the the con- container holding the vial against every surface he can find, and the grandma is just, like, like trying not to panic uh, because she realizes that that's the virus, and then uh, he he manages to kind of get the outer thing open without breaking it. Uh, and then they figure out what it is, and so we get this kind of flashback at the end when, when uh, they 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 hand her off to her kids because there's no bounty, and so they got they've got no use for her drinking their air on the on the bebop. Uh, and then there's a flashback where we see that Spike slipped the viral of uh, virus into her pocket. Yeah. And so that that's then it then it falls out of pocket smashes. What I want to know is where she bought a dress that looks like that that has pockets. Damn. All right. If anyone knows, email us animatesforjerks at gmail dot com. Uh, we will. Uh, you'll be a friend of the show for life. Uh, all right. So yeah. So episode five is where we're introduced to Vicious. Uh, and and the like the the kind of macro plot kicks off. Yeah. So there's a a red dragon crime syndicate uh there's like a bounty against one of the guys from from there and so Faye decides to go and try to infiltrate it in her very booby dress um so it be, well it begins by with um vicious so so spike and vicious were both uh like relatively high-ranking members of this syndicate yeah uh, we we have not yet learned why Spike left or what the circumstances of that were, but Vicious is still there, and it begins with him assassinating a dude um, who had. It, it, it begins with him kind of setting up a coup. Yeah. So uh, it opens with another member of the syndicate kind of making making some sort of peace deal with some other cr- criminal. 
criminal. Some other, some other um, member of some other group. And then, then uh, the other dude, his ship is exploded. And then this member of the Red Dragon is assassinated by Spike. And so you see he's beginning to make moves uh, within the leadership of the Red Dragon Syndicate. Yes. Um, so yeah, so there's a bounty... On um, the dude he just killed. Yeah. <laughs> Tragic. Following the pattern of uh, our kids uh, going after bounties that they never actually cash in on. So yeah, so Faye um, tries to sneak in and gets in over her head. Uh, so, so Spike kind of, because he used to be part of the syndicate, he takes a more kind of uh, circumspect route and meets up with some old contacts of his. And then we get sort of another sequence mirroring the end of the show where he kind of uh, gets ready to uh, make a make a going guns blazing. So he's got his whole fucking arsenal, uh, grenades and multiple guns uh, when he when he's going to go after Vicious, because by the time he kind of uh cases the joint he's learned that the original bounty has been killed and that it was vicious um, beginning to kind of consolidate power so then uh he also he also also realizes that Faye had gotten uh captured in her attempt to infiltrate and so god i'm looking at my screenshots the the boob situation really is out of control (laughs) I'm looking because she like video calls Spike and just says, uh, "Teehee, I've been caught," and like her arms are over her head and her boobs are just out. Yeah, they 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 took a number of opportunities early on to uh, handcuff her with her arms above her head. Uh, so if yeah, I, I guess if you could talk about objectification, that um, those might be your culprits. But uh, whether or not he actually cares about Faye, um, he. Or whether he he just happens to help her out on his way to go fight vicious, um, interpret it as you will. But um, he he has his kind of first um, face off with ex boyfriend. We the, 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 like like in the kind of the details of Ava lore, kind of the the nitty gritty is not super important about like. Ex- all, all about everything that ha- kind of happened three years ago before Spike left the syndicate. The point is there was there was some sort of betrayal, there was some sort of falling out, and um, we'll 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 get enough we get enough to make it interesting and compelling, but no more than that. Um, and so clearly, Vicious feels betrayed by Spike, and. Um, and clearly Spike has, uh, a grudge against Vicious. something, something, <laughs> uh, with Vicious that he can't let go of. Yeah. So there's an incredibly homoerotic face off in a cathedral, um, between Spike and Vicious, uh, which is, is one of the more sort of iconic images in this show of, of Spike pointing his gun at Vicious while Vicious points his sword at Spike. And yeah. Spike's on the ground, and they're like in front of this big, huge stained glass window. The, 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 the best rebuttal to don't bring a, a knife to a gun. What if your knife is really long and it's a sword? 
yeah, it's just another thing of just like, why doesn't Vicious use a gun? Why does he use a sword that's stupid? Everybody else is using a gun, he would just die. Who cares? Shut up, idiot. Just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, and so, like, there's the kind of a lot of, like, the kind of the symbolism like the like the symbolism of the show is is like they 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 are pretty upfront about it like uh at some point at one point uh here spike is like i'm just watching a dream i never awakened from and that that or iterations on that line are repeated a number of times to kind of because like the show is not trying to be like hard to interpret no. it's it's very like like it's it's very much like because because the actual um this this overarching plot is you only get kind of quick concentrated doses of yeah. it and then we go By back the to end, you have bit. enough information to understand that spike was trying to leave the syndicate with julia who was vicious's girlfriend um yeah. and but now it was now is dating Spike, and they were trying to leave the syndicate together, which you're not supposed to do. And Vicious found out, and uh, this resulted in Spike and Julia being separated, and Spike having to go on the run, and Julia having to go on the run. Yeah, and then, um, and yeah, and since then, kind of Spike has just been sort of um, in, not in limbo, but like everything has basically for him been on pause until he can kind of reunite with Julia and, and settle the score. Like, uh, he's like, his entire life has kind of been in a holding pattern. He's just been sort of bouncing from bounty to bounty. And like, he has no particular goals in life or anything other than reuniting with Julia. Right. He's, 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 he's kind of very kind of emphatically refused to do anything, um, that isn't, backward looking yeah uh, like like um and he he whether how conscious it is or not he at no he refuses to um do anything that acknowledges that he can have a life that is not uh does not involve Ju- like julia and and finishing what he started with vicious yeah and that's his ultimate kind of tragedy is that he is incapable of moving past. Yeah, he's Gatsby. Uh, yeah, he's literally yeah, yeah. exactly Gatsby. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, and and that's, in that and he that's, likes jazz and is obsessed with a woman he can't be with. Right, but like all the characters in this show, yeah. um, like it's it's the it's the ba- it's the same kind of basic formula. Like it's whether or not they can, um, like reconcile with their past, like. I the old, like Jet does for the most part. Um, Ed, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure about Ed. Ed is sort of left unresolved. Um, like Faye is is kind of the most I is I think the most interesting. Yes, case. absolutely. Yeah, where where uh, Faye winds up is in a place like and and Faye's character arc made me think a lot about Tokyo Godfathers, um, mm. which we watched last month. And Tokyo Godfathers um, was a show in a certain way about found family, or a show, a film yeah. about found family. But it was a film about found family that continued to insist to the very end that your quote-unquote real family was better. 
Um, mm. And Cowboy Bebop is not that. What Faye... Yeah. Faye is obsessed with finding where she belongs, and then she finds out where she belongs, and she realizes that it's gone, and there's nowhere for her to go back to, and that it's and that the idea that you belong in some specific place where you were in the past is bullshit, and that the place that she actually yeah, belongs yeah. is with the people that she cares about, you know, yeah. even if she can't and, quite admit to herself that she cares about them. Right, and so yeah, like, and so Faye, kind of yeah, Faye is kind of on, like her yeah, like hers is is kind of maybe the most like one of the most kind of the saddest endings, even though she lives yeah. is because she's kind of almost able to turn the corner of like coming to terms with the fact that her past is gone and that she has to decide who she wants to be with and like what she wants to be. And just when she is kind of about to be able to make that decision it's taken from her because the the only person left who she kind of has any sort of close connection to leaves her. Yeah, which is Spike, uh, and and because Spike ultimately is the most <laughs> emphatic failure in terms of um, reconciling himself with his past. In in that um, he is just there's no moving past. Yeah, for him there's there's no leaving the past behind like um he's going to die with it and he does yes yeah. um uh, so yeah so in episode six we encounter a a child who is an immortal evil child uh who like he he's been like altered genetic so this is where we're introduced to one of like the sort of core and most mysterious plot points in this show which is that oh yeah uh like some years ago um a gate like a hyper a hyperspace gate in orbit around Earth exploded and basically scoured the face of the Earth clean. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about how we get that kind of weird sequence at the very beginning when Spike is uh, dozing off, where he's remembering yes. being in a lab. Yeah, we all. There's also that. Yeah, that happens at the end of episode five, I believe. Right? Or no, no, that uh, happens no, at the beginning of episode six. It's, yeah, you're right, you're it's right. the very beginning of six. Like it begins with him kind of half a half awake or dreaming yeah he's in like a um, blues club listening to this child play harmonica yeah and he's having some flashbacks to s- some wild uh like lab environment yeah. where he was being fucked over by some weird uh, scientists and i don't remember that I'd, i think i, I, I think kind of what that, that is that because... is later on he talks about how he has one fake eye and one real eye because he lost it in an accident and i think yeah. that, that what this is is him uh, getting that, that that fake eye implanted. oh yeah because they, they, they yeah they, they they do have a shot that focuses on his eye and something yeah. wonky happening to it um yeah that's and that like that bit about his eye is like it's never really it doesn't ever feel like important it comes no i well, think it does it comes up in that last conversation that he has with Faye, right where he says in that very last, he says i have one ever since then i've had one eye that sees the past and one eye that, see, that sees the present you know and it he right, uses right, it right. as essentially a metaphor for what he lost i guess because he lost an eye hmm. literally but he also lost uh, an entire imagined future for himself you know oh, did that uh, for some reason i thought that happened before everything went down no uh, I thought because I thought I remembered him. I thought I remembered him telling it to Julia, like make, making a joke about his eye to Julia. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, so he's sitting in this blues club watching this evil child play 
harmonica. Yeah. So this episode, I mean, it it, it doesn't really have much of a bearing on the plot, but we yeah, we get introduced to this idea that the earth, the face of the earth, was scoured clean by um by an exploding gate, hyperspace gate, some years ago. Um, which is why most people have left Earth and, mo- and live elsewhere, and only people who who c- couldn't afford to leave Earth still live on Earth. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So um. So this kid. He has to. He has to kill a kid. Yeah. This this child. Um, is is for for some reason he doesn't age, and for some reason he's also in Im- like immune to bullets. Um, because his I hear those things. Because his well, pineal yeah. gland uh is oh, very powerful. Right, the gland. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then so Spike gets a special bullet made out of a gem that contains like a bunch of like condensed hyperspace energy or whatever and puts it into a gun and like shoots this kid directly in the face and he immediately becomes old. It's the gun that makes, it's you, gun old. That makes you old. It's the gun that makes you old by M. Night Shyamalan. Imagine M. Night Shyamalan directed a movie that was just called Gun. Uh, uh. Yeah, like I don't, I don't have a lot of notes for this episode. Yeah, no. uh, like at, the, at the end, the kid, the kid now not now not a kid, but a tiny old man. He's like, I can finally die now. He's like, Do you do you understand? You know. And and Spike is like, Like hell, I do. Despite not connecting to the plot at all, like this episode, like a lot of the the other episodes, connects thematically with a lot of what the show is about. Like this kid is literally stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all right. So next, and then in our next episode, we meet uh, a cool trucker lady named VT. <laughs> um, my own my own my only note for this episode is like is just it just is amazing we get this butch lesbian representation in 1998 and all carolyn tuesday gave us was fucking marie <laughs> uh who was like the 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 their producer's ex-wife who leaves him and marries a woman uh, uh. like allegedly vt has a dead husband but what butch lesbian doesn't have a dead husband <laughs> comes with the card uh yeah uh she has a big also has a big fluffy cat who's great <gasps> puppy um so yeah so yeah so they they're chasing down this specific bounty because this guy uh he's got like a bunch of explosives or something like that and Faye is at like this ice cream parlor looking for him um and like accidentally gets the wrong guy it's uh spike cracks an egg onto his dick <laughs> and gets and that's what really uh makes him hulk out <laughs> they're uh spike and and vt are like chilling in a bar and they're they're drinking gin and there's a bottle of of beef eater gin but it's not beef eater it's boo feeder <laughs> it's really good <laughs> uh, and then and then yeah some of these some bounty hunters are harassing the pretty little waitress uh, and so VT uh, kicks the shit out of them. They bump into Spike, egg on his dick. He he starts beating the shit out of them, and it's just a real party. Yeah. So they they go after this guy because Faye now has his description. She gets the wrong guy, but it turns out the real guy is also in the same place. Yeah. Anyway, and then we we northern... see the inside of a bunch of truckers' cabs, and they're all full to the brim with porn. <laughs> so yeah so so vt is like the cool respected trucker and so she calls on all her 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 trucker buddies um because like she's she because she uh is a softy at heart um despite her professed hatred for bounty hunters uh so 
her little information network tells them where um, this Northern Line cartoon character is, has. Ran I, he off looks. To. He looks more like Northern Line in my in my memory. He actually doesn't look like Northern Line at all. No, oh, Northern shame. Line has no hair. This guy. <laughs> they keep they keep in every other respect because they they keep him. Uh, they keep describing him as bald, but he's not bald. He's balding. It's an important. It is an important distinction. Um, but yeah, they accidentally kill him, you know, and so they they again go back with with nothing. Uh, and then their next episode. Um, so yeah, then they're on. So yeah, so they're on a plane to Venus in the next uh, episode, uh, where they're watching they're watching Itchy and Scratchy on the plane for some reason. Um. Uh. Yeah, I think I think the only only other notable thing about episode seven is that like it's the first time when uh, Spike and Faye like start to show that they can work together. Yeah, uh, because they have to def- like uh, the it's sort of the guy yeah, it's sort of like that episode of pl- Ava where Asuka and Shinji have to like increase their Ava synchronization. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they yeah they get trapped in this like. Uh, old meteorite with a bunch of explosives and they have to like escape and uh they just barely managed to cooperate long enough to, to to pull it off um but yeah until so then there's another terrorist attack on an airplane um that spike and um spike and faith oh, yeah they do they they they, they collaborate here too yeah uh, uh they there's yeah there's uh old school uh airplane bombing Every time Faye wears, Faye has like a pair of sunglasses that she wears occasionally early on in the show, and then they stop drawing her wearing them because she looks dumb in them. Because she look whenever time every time she wears on them, she looks like that picture of Jack Nicholson that drills Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, anyway, they they take down um, these these attempted uh, bombers, and there's this kid on the on the plane who is like really wowed by their their cqc uh, abilities yeah for those who may not know cqc stands for close quarters Combat. also they turn in the three terrorists and their names are louis huey and dewey hell yeah and so this uh this 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 kid um so he goes chasing after spike trying to get him to te- teach him how to fight and spike's like uh And then just gives in because it's more trouble to, to like run away from him than it is to just kind of like humor him because Spike is nothing if not lazy. Yeah. So then, uh, so yeah, we learn that Venus has a lot of helium in its atmosphere. Uh, and Spike uh, tells us his philosophy on fighting, which is that you have to be like the water, just like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, he, he teaches them some kind of very. Um, basic ideas about using your opponent's uh like force against them yeah and knocks the kid on his ass a couple times and then uh the kid sees some people chasing after him gives spike a potted plant and hits the bricks yeah um so yeah so then spike we he gets the kid gets like uh ambushed in the bathroom uh, right. by all these yakuza that are that are after him and his plant and then spike goes and visits this kid's sister i forget how he finds out about her so yeah so the, well, the kid the kid shoves this cactus at him and says meet me uh here tomorrow and so spike kind of wanders around and then manages to find 
like his little hideout, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then meets the girl's sister, the girl's sister, guy's sister. Uh, and she has, she was born blind, I think, no, she, because of no, she, she, the she Venus came, No, she just describes coming to Venus and then slowly losing her vision. Okay, because at the end she said she'd never actually seen her brother's face. Hmm. I think her brother is younger uh, than her then. Okay. Uh, so either they were like, either he's a lot younger or they were separated for a period. Um, but either way, yeah. So, um, so like f- this kid, he's got a bounty on his head, uh, but it's because um, he's trying to uh, raise money for to fix his sister's eyes. Yeah, which can and only be done with this special plant. The gray ash. Yeah, and then Spike also gets a bunch of seeds uh, out of this music box that he, that his sis, that the guy gave his sister, but his sister, because she's blind, didn't see the seeds in it. Yeah. And then he takes the seeds back to the ship, to the Bebop, and then is like, hey, are these seeds worth anything? And Jet's like, yeah, they're worth like a bunch of money. Do You, you don't happen to have any, do you? And he's like, nah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's like a big shootout where Spike brings the potted plant back, brings the potted plant in, and then there's like a big shootout where they try to kill him, and then they wind up killing the guy, the plant guy. Yeah, so it's 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 like yeah, so uh, they're 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 ambushed. Um, in a fight, the the kid pulls off like one cool move where he like flips. Over his head, he's like, "Hey, Spike, did you see that?" And, sp- and then immediately, yeah, gets Spike shot. gives him a thumbs up, and then he gets killed. Uh, uh, and, then, and then, yeah, and then he drops the plant, and the plant dies. And then he, Spike, and then Spike gets away. And I think Spike gives the seeds back to, uh, back to the sister. Yeah, or I thought he sold them to pay for her uh, surgery. That's possible. I don't have a screenshot of it. Uh, because yeah, then he visits her in the hospital, and she's like, "Oh, like." Uh, my brother like got the got the surgery to go through. I'll be able to see him. Um, like, yeah, when's yeah. he coming to visit me? And Spike's like, oh, fuck. I hate to tell you this, buddy. Uh, yeah. So then we meet Ed, and then we meet. So so yeah, that's that's one of the like kind of the kind of the best like self-contained episode yeah that like, episode's really good it's 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 such a it's just like a, such a solid like self-contained little story yeah. i like i was reading interviews with watanabe in as research for this i was reading about how he he thought about every episode because uh, we did we did not watch the cowboy Bebop movie uh because we didn't have time unfortunately uh the movie is good but i would not call it essential um it's uh, oh have you seen it yeah i've seen it it's like it's a, it's oh, essentially okay. a long episode of the show um, yeah, we were ta- we were talking about it uh, at some point, and I didn't realize because I haven't seen. it. Yeah, it's essentially a long episode of the show. I would not call it essential. It's it's good, but it's not like it doesn't. It's not. It's it's no end of Ava. Right. You know. Right, because I mean, it's it's yeah. I was looking at the Wikipedia, and it's it's it was described there as kind of like yeah, a side story that takes place uh, before the real kind of ending of the show. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, uh, but yeah, in the, on, on the Wikipedia article, it links to an interview where Watanabe talks about, um, like how he thought of every episode of Cowboy Bebop as essentially a short film. Um, and mm. that, and so like expanding it out to make a full, a feature length movie wasn't really, um, a challenge. 
you yes. know, which and you can definitely feel that attempt. Like so many of these episodes are sort of like great little self-contained stories that like they build character, they build the world, but they have like little self-contained plots that don't tie into anything. You know? Yeah, like I can't think of any show that's like really pulled that off since. No, well, um, the way people watch TV has changed so much over the past yeah. twenty years. You know, like. Like when when Bebop was airing, it was in the era of linear television. You know, there was no way. You know, you were recording TV onto VHS tapes if you if you bothered to record it. You know, like mm-hmm. there was no way to watch TV whenever you wanted. You know, so yeah. and you had to plan with the fact that any episode could be somebody's first entry into the series. Right. You know, right. and like now everybody watches TV on Netflix or some other streaming mm-hmm. service, and yeah, and so that kind of. I, I hadn't considered the binging aspect because I was, I was going to say, like, it's still a great way of doing TV, but, like, it's harder to get people to, like, it's hard, like, you lose, like, there's, there's People would there's interpret a show infor- structured like this today as being there's full an, of filler. There's an, there's, yeah, and there's kind of an enforced sense of pace when it's, it's actually airing once per week. Yeah. Whereas if you're binging it, like, it, it it's harder to kind of get into that mindset uh. that that an episodic kind of progression lends itself to. But it definitely feels like that sort of thing is very rare nowadays um, because people like it, they're trying to encourage binge watching and people want binge watching. So they want every, they, yeah. they want to consume a television show as a long movie. Uh, but anyway. And like there's, and like there are things that, that, that like long, that a long movie can do. Like, it's not, this isn't, like, it's not necessarily a worse sort of media. It's just, it has different strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, like, it, the modern kind of prestige television, when it does, like, what it can do really well is, like, character, like, like character studies and like any sort of like very intricate plots or very like well-constructed like long-running plots you know stuff stuff that wouldn't have been possible if you had to assume that any given episode would could be somebody's first entry into the show you can do that now you know and and so and so that's that's cool there are things like that tv is doing now that couldn't really do before but now it's also not doing things that are still worth doing yeah um anyway edward ed is great little freak ed is ed is a little weirdo um who lives on earth um and touches computer computer. Uh, and like everybody who touches computer they're a a pervert (laughs) (laughs) anyway so 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 the kind of the the hook to this episode is that um a satellite has started burning crop circles into earth not crop circles they're recreations of real uh like ancient like megalith architecture um i oh right 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 i forget what uh what they are um there's there's some of them in like in britain there's some in south america and central america of just like essentially like big chalk drawings that would be visible from like a hill above the site um Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um and so it it etches a bunch of those into the landscape uh mysteriously and so a bounty is put out for whatever hacker took control over this thing and the room the word on the street is that it's the the legend the legendary hacker radical edward (laughs) (laughs) radical edward 
uh also there's a good bit where they interview like a weird conspiracy theorist on tv and he's like listen carefully the eight million the eight million long bounty is a conspiracy of the government even if it was drawn by a laser there is the possibility that aliens put a message into the brain of that hacker <laughs> um uh so yeah so that, so we we learn a lot about radical edward like he's a huge guy two meters tall uh who used to be a basketball player uh uh, or a brat that loves horrible pranks or, or oh what I heard from the lady next door is that that hacker is gay um, <laughs> not wrong uh, uh, and then yeah so so radical Edward is everyone and nobody yeah <laughs> yeah jet 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 comes back and it's like all right what I've learned about radical Edward is that he's a gay alien <laughs> 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 goals right goals um uh, so yeah so uh ed gets in touch with uh them with the bebop by hacking into their computer um and informs them that what has happened is that the satellite that they that drew this thing is actually became sentient and this is seventeen thousand seven hundred and seventy six oh fuck you're right yeah seventeen thousand seven hundred if if for those of you who don't know 17,776, uh, also known as What Football Will Look Like in the Future, is a work of hypertext fiction by avant-garde sports writer John Boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would recommend going and reading it if you haven't. It is You don't need to know anything about American football or sports at all to enjoy and care about it. Yeah, um... So yeah, so we find out that this satellite has become sentient and decided to draw some art on Earth because it was bored. Um, and so then they they capture the uh, the AI by like plugging a USB port into the satellite or some shit. So yeah, Ed Ed makes friends with it, and then but and then realizes that the the, the that the only way to kind of uh, save it is to make a copy of it and give the copy to the cops. And keep the original uh, playsoma. Yeah. So they make and a copy then... of, of this, this guy, and they try to turn it into the police, and the police are like, well, defining life is kind of complicated. <laughs> so yet again, they don't get a bounty. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and, and then, yeah, so, uh, so at one point, like, Faye had promised Ed... Had, had had made a promise to Ed that that she she tries to break. Why did she and then, which is uh, take Ed on board the Bebop? Why did she make that I promise in the remember. first place? I don't remember. I don't have a screenshot of it. Yeah. So so she was asking her for help, and Ed was like, "You have to give me something good." And Faye's like, "Sure, sure, whatever you want." Uh, and then once she realizes that Ed wants this little this little freak wants to uh, touch computer on the Bebop with them. Uh, she tries to get uh, the guys to to take off, and then Ed just hacks the Bebop and t- <laughs> turns it right around. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ed rules. Ed rules. Uh, Ed rules. Okay. Ed rules. Okay. Um, so yeah. So next we get a Jet focused episode. My yeah. My head header for this is just Jet is a wife guy. Jet is a wife guy. That's why he's everybody's dad. That's true. Um, so yeah, so so um, we get a little bit of backstory about 
that jet um he had uh, i don't think they were actually married but they were they were he had a girl a long-term girlfriend um who just up and left him yes. one day so everyone else kind of their story begins three years ago uh jets it, it's a little further back right it's like seven years yeah i think so that this happened okay so yeah so it breaks breaks the pattern a little bit uh, so he's he's kind of hung up on the fact that his wife uh, just kind of walked out of his life. Just she left a note. She just said sayonara. Uh, and so when there's a bounty on uh, Ganymede where they lived, he's he's getting a little, a little rattled. Um, so he'd been he'd been avoiding it for seven years. But uh, I think the money's too good or whatever. So he gets in touch with some of his old cop buddies. And Faye's like, he used to be a cop? Well, that explains why I don't like Faye him. Faye says, fuck cops. Faye says, We also get fuck some, cops. Uh, some intense Faye boob action in this, in this episode, too. <laughs> uh, and so he, he, he can't help asking after her, finds out she's running a bar. And so he, he slinks over to see to see uh what's up and so yeah so this is this it feel like his because this is early on the show like uh we're like oh come on like don't be such a little weirdo jet just go like ask her what happened like like talk it out but this is by far the most straightforward and like normal resolution of <laughs> that any of our characters do yeah jet is like, jet is normcore uh like as much as as much as it feels like initially like he's he's a bit of a coward and a bit of like uh he's like compared to everyone else he has his shit together uh and and uh is like actually is willing to have a conversation about his feelings um, but the the one thing, the other thing I noticed in this conversation with his wife is the the cuts. Like, there's some very weird cuts in the in the when they have this conversation. She's she's talking to him about uh, kind of what happened after she left in the time between, and it's I'm, I'm pretty sure the 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 idea was that kind of he's having trouble following the conversation because he's kind of a little overcome with emotion and. Uh, nerve and nerves and so it kind of has a close-up on her face a little too close when she's talking kind of cuts away before she finishes the sentence cuts back cuts away again as like it's very cool yeah and it's it's just such a like a simple thing that that most not just anime but like most films don't really know how to do which is to kind of Use 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 the cut to to um, yeah it, reflect it, the character's uh, like emotional state. Um, but yeah, so it turns out that Jet has this bounty on this other guy, on the guy that that Alyssa is dating, basically. Um, and so there's there's an elaborate hovercraft chase, speedboat chase sequence um, that culminates in them in uh, this other guy crashing his the speedboat onto into like some like sea defense and then they're they're you know she has to then they're they're facing off against each other he's been hurt and is is lying on the ground and then um uh Alyssa is um pointing a gun at at jet 
and Jed is confronting her and he keeps he keeps moving forward and because he knows that she that she doesn't have the guts to shoot him and she she like shoots the ground in front of him a couple of times and she she talks about why she left him and she says like I when I was with you I never had to do anything all I had to do is hang on to your arm like a child with no cares in the world I wanted to decide how to live my life by myself even if that was a mistake um and then uh Jet walks over to the other guy and is and and uh like punches him and like you know arrests basically arrests him and is like you're gonna have basically it's just like i'm sorry i can't let you go like somebody else is going to catch you if i don't um oh right so then he sets it up as if uh he attacked the guy um so he he somehow he somehow framed it so the guy would get a letter a light sentence yeah right he said because he's yeah he talks to ellis afterwards he's like um they'll chalk it up to self-defense and so i think he just kind of staged a fight between him and him and this guy so that the uh he could get arrested and lay low for a bit yeah on a on a minor charge uh yeah and then as with everything we end on a melancholy note um yeah but like that's and then yeah that that's kind of the and at that point like uh jet has mostly put his demons behind yeah. him. He's got some other ones, but uh he is he is the first to to kind of confront his past. Both confront and um and he's the one who most successfully confronts his past. Yeah. Um so yeah, and then our next episode. This next episode's weird. <laughs> Spooky word. Yeah, this next episode uh there's like a weird like blob if any episode can be described as filler episode it's it this is this one. episode but i like this episode anyway oh it's it's, it's yeah it's it's, it's so it's really funny. there's like a weird blob going around biting people and uh and and that, it, that evolved from a from a yeah from a bad lobster so, that spike left in the yeah, fridge for too so long so spike realizes gradually that this <laughs> this thing came out of the refrigerator their spare refrigerator where he left lobster in the fridge and there's just this there's an incredibly poignant moment at the end of like this this episode is is really strange because at the very end uh like spike is like drifting out into space to die um and 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 he just says like because he he, like tries to like push the the fridge which is full of horrifying fungus um (laughs) out into space uh and he's like no he yeah yeah, yeah, and he's just like floating in the airlock while the fridge drifts off and he says you shouldn't leave things in the fridge that is the lesson. <laughs> yeah, and then like a little the preview episode, pre- preview for next episode. It's like, and then they all died. <laughs> oh, I didn't watch the preview. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like, <laughs> yeah, because the way the episode ends is that Ed uh, is asleep and sees the weird black blob and goes and and sees it as like, oh, Ampan, and just takes a huge bite out of it. Uh, yeah so it 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 like bites everyone and puts them into a coma and then what defeats it is uh ed eating it eating it (laughs) uh in 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 ed's uh sleep addled state thinks that it's uh thinks that it's alpine yeah yeah so yeah and Uh, then jupiter jazz a two-part episode uh so yeah so we're back at real plot we're also back at weird trans stuff yeah uh, is, this show has a lot of gender a, in it which is a pattern for watanabe yeah being like interested in kind of the worst way yeah 
<laughs> with gender. Yeah, I don't mind it so much. It's not the worst I've ever seen. I don't really no, care. Carol Tuesday is worse. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't bother me all that much. But yeah, so this episode begins with um, with 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 it, this weird, also kind of pointless, exoticizing uh, bit about American Indians. Yeah. <laughs> Which that sets the tone for the kind of just kind of the just the weird weird yeah just weird it's like i get it you're doing it because you're like taking inspiration from like western fiction but maybe you shouldn't do that (laughs) um yeah yeah, so faye leaves the bebop takes all the money in the safe um and leaves because she's scared that she's getting too attached to spike Mm -hmm. and jet like that's the sort of like underlying reason that's not what she would say but like that's the real reason, uh, yeah. and then they also yeah. get. A- I mean, I mean, Gren, Gren kind of uh, yeah. makes it explicit later. Uh, they're like, uh, "You got scared of losing them, so you distanced yourself." Yeah. Um, and so then they get a bounty for someone named Julia, don't they? Oh, I don't remember because they, they get some indication that someone named Julia is somewhere, and Spike is like, "I'm gonna go look for my woman." Right. So I think it's like it's so they get a tip off about the syndicate doing some sort of operation. Um, which on which planet is this? I don't uh, remember. I, for, I forget. And I, like the, it's like called, the, the episode is called Jupiter Jazz. So I'll assume it's one of the movies like of Jupiter. Code name for the operation is Julia or something. Yeah. Uh, and so Spike assumes that this has something to do with his Julia. Uh, and so uh, yeah they're on Callisto which is one of the moons of Jupiter so he can go give Faye a piece of his mind and uh, find Julia at the same time Uh, yeah so he's like yeah I'm gonna go look for my woman you go look for that other woman Um, (laughs) yeah and Jen's like fuck off dick (laughs) like yeah like the funny thing is like um, the show makes a big point about how Faye is terrified of vulnerability and and becoming emotionally uh entangled with anyone uh but like spike is the one who's who like in the end Faye like does she like admits that she cares about spike in particular but like also the other the others and she like begins to come to terms with that but spike actually never does like he refuses to open up to her uh, until he knows he's about to die yeah so spike is going around looking for someone named julia um there's like a bad joke bit about uh this like drag queen whose name is julius Mm -hmm. um which does which does it does contain one good bit where Julius is like, "Can't you tell he's straight?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because some other some of the other queens are coming up and like, "Oh, you got a you got a client?" It's like not even. And, Can't you tell he's straight? And, 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 yeah, and she's like, "Can't you tell he's straight?" <laughs> um. So yes. So then Faye meets with. Gren meets Gren in a bar and Gren is like playing the saxophone. Uh, uh yeah, looking all hot. Looking all hot and Gren is like, I'm not I'm not interested in women. Uh, <laughs> and um Yeah. And so uh 
so right so this so the, so there's this this group of like real like low level thugs who first get in a fight with like uh i think vicious's gang and then they run into spike i think and just keep constantly getting the shit kicked out of them uh and then they run into Faye, and she's pissed off and about to fight them and then uh gran in some sort of a misguided sort of a uh, bit of chivalry drags her away from the fight and uh takes her to their place where they uh have drinks and and uh get 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 plangent if you will <laughs> oh yeah so 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 uh so Faye gets so Faye starts getting drunk and, and talking about how she didn't want comrades, not worth it, they're more trouble than they worth. She ends up worrying about things she doesn't have to. Uh and Gran is just like, girl. <laughs> uh and is it's just it's just very, very patiently humoring Faye's uh rambling, and then at the end is just like you're just afraid of ha- having friends. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah. So then Spike goes to confront Vicious um, and they get into like a gun standoff. And then Lynn, who is like Vicious's bodyguard, like stands between the two right. of them. Yeah. So, so this is a two parter. Yeah. So, the, so, the, so the first part ends where Gren is in the shower uh, and viciously is a message on their phone because uh, they're doing a handoff of bloody eye. It's back um, with Gren. So Faye hears the message and she ran into Vicious way back in episode five when she tried to infiltrate the syndicate. So she recognizes his voice and it's like, what the fuck have I got myself into? Uh, pulls a gun on Gren in the shower, realizes that... Uh, they have tits yeah cool um and then spike so spike is pointing a gun at lynn and vicious and then lynn pulls a gun and kills and shoots spike and he falls down in the snow and that's how doink that's how the episode ends yeah um so beginning with episode two grin is like uh yeah i nearly died in like the the, after the war the space war the star wars and then, like, part of the medical treatment fucked up my hormones. No, she said, uh, Gren says, uh, that they, uh, they got addicted to drugs, which messed up their hormones. Oh, uh, okay. which right, nobody because, told me you yeah. could both do drugs and get big tits simultaneously. The future, the, the, the future fucking rules. The future rules. So, yeah, so, so Gren's deal is, um, they were in like some sort of arm, some sort of army with vicious yeah. during some sort of conflict. Some sort of Star Wars. Gay- and so the implication is they were a gay little soldier in love with vicious and that vicious uh, kind of exploited their affection to frame them for some sort of crimes and uh, basically left them uh high and dry and hit the bricks and so that's why they got addicted to drugs and grew tits yeah um 
Um, and then Vicious decides to fuck them over one last time and arranges this deal. I, I'm not sure what... I feel, I, I feel like there was something I missed or I've forgotten about why Gren is suddenly roped back into Vicious's whole... Because Gren wants to see Vicious scheme. again. Because Gren wants to know why they why Vicious betrayed them. Yeah. Um, okay. And so but, I, I don't like. I don't think that the details are super clear about exactly how it's hashed out, but like it's it was hashed out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then, and then, yeah. Vicious explains this to Faye, and then it's like, well, I'm off to go see Vicious, who tried to kill me once, and is probably going to kill me again. And Faye is uh and so fate so fate does something that she does at the at the very end which is she she's well first she says something about how that's it like now you're just going to go off and like die uh and so she, she pulls out a gun and like tries to shoot Gred basically to keep them from leaving her which is which is what she does at the end with spike um she is so like terrified of people leaving her that her first instinct is to, is to kill them. But um, she never actually goes through with it because she's not that kind of person. Uh, and so, he, so Gren does leave um, to go meet up with, uh, with vicious. So then everyone kind of converges uh, spike gets, gets, gets around two with vicious uh Gren tries and doesn't really get closure, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know if they ever expected to get closure. Yeah, and then Gren dies. And then, yeah, so so Gren gets shot uh, and lets, and, and Spike puts them in their ship and sends, sends them off on, on uh, their last voyage towards Venus? Ganymede, I, I believe. Um, how do, oh, Ganymede. What happens with um, Spike and Vicious? I don't remember. Okay, because I know Spike tries to like just uh, sh- <laughs> starts just shooting up the entire scene, uh, but it's some- somehow Vicious gets away, and Spike um, deals with the fallout, and then uh, literally my Faye... only note about this episode is about how much I like Spike's big coat. Yeah. <laughs> And then eventually Faye wanders back to the bebop. Um, yeah, this episode was was like, good and enthralling enough that I completely forgot to take notes, which hoisted me later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, like, in spite of Watanabe being extremely kind of, like, weird about gender, um, it's it's a good... Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's not it's bad good... enough to, like, make me hate it or anything. So then in our next episode... Uh, we learn. Chess master. We learn what's going to happen. Only... What's going to happen in Northern Lion in forty years? <laughs> yeah, this is the, this is the one I didn't take notes for. I just wrote. Bird. I took a lot of notes for this one. Weirdly, I wrote. I, I noticed that Cowboy Up is the chess anime we've been looking for. Oh. Um. And so yeah, so they're investigating this a string of like hyperspace gate toll booth robberies. But every time they catch the people who are perpetrating these robberies, they're not the actual masterminds behind the robberies. And they say right. they've just been following these instructions from like a mail order catalog. Um, 
And so then simultaneous and, and the only leads that they have are these chess pieces. And it turns out the chess pieces like they, they have like NFC chips in them or something like that, that allow them to like connect to a computer that like load a profile for a chess game so that you can play chess with whoever's on the other end. And Ed starts playing chess with whoever's on the other end, which turns out to be Chess Master Hex, who chess Master Hex. is just this like weird old guy who like lives in a, like a junk, a space junkyard. Um, but uh, the the chess master Hex um, turns out to be uh, the mastermind behind these yeah. these hyperspace gate robberies. Yeah, so because he, yeah, he, fifty years ago, he used to work at the company that manufactures the hyperspace gates, and he was like screwed out of something. Well, he he realized there was an exploit in the design of the gates, yeah, uh, and tried to blow the whistle on it but it was like the the corporation it would have been too expensive to to fix or it was just for whatever reason they basically uh shit canned him and uh kicked him out of out of, out of the company yeah and so as his revenge he, he decided to create an elaborate plot where 50 years from now he would in mail order catalogs plant instructions for robbing hyperspace at gate toll booths uh and, and then yeah and then leave leave this calling card so they would so they would know it's him because when jet goes to the corporation to try and get information about what the hell is going on it's clear they know more than they're letting on um and so they, they so they they figure it out so, um so his little calling card worked but unfortunately for everyone involved um Except for Chessmaster Hex, when they they get to him, it turns out he's he's forgotten. Yeah, he's just a weird uh, old that, man now. He just likes playing chess. He's forgotten everything. Yeah, he's, he's, he's forgotten everything except chess at this point. Pretty much. So he he has no recollection of of setting up this this trap in the first place. He's he's just a senile guy who's who just plays chess all day, and so. Uh, at the end, Jet is talking to the to the um, the executives again, and they're like, "So what? What? Like, how much? How much do you want?" Because they think he's going to blackmail them because now he knows that there's an exploit in the gate design, and he's just like, "Just, just leave, just leave the old guy alone." Uh, he's he just wants to play chess, and I don't want to take Ed's Ed's uh, chess partner away. <laughs> Uh, but then he dies after his last game tragic um so yeah then he 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 checkmates ed uh they had this real this huge back and forth he wins the game and then dies uh but at least he's at least it's a peaceful death uh so yeah and then our next episode is Faye episode uh, hell yeah, we hell learn about yeah. Faye awakening from cryogenic sleep as she she regales Ayn with the tale of her her emerging from cryo from, from cryo sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it turns out that she was put into cryo sleep in 2014. Yeah. She's currently so, in cryo sleep right now, as yeah. we speak. So so pour one out for for Faye. Um, she's got she's got a ways to go. Yeah, so she gets pulled out of cryosleep by this like weird doctor who calls himself Bacchus. 
um and then play kusa zero this is uh this is a great this is just a, a very good oh, there's also some some gratuitous boob pov shots oh, yeah. uh and uh they're like uh great now we've we've resuscitated you that'll be a bajillion million dollars <laughs> yeah so they immediately hit her with uh, a hospital bill including interest on 54 years of uh cryo sleep yeah and and uh she has no recollection of like who she was but as as uh as now her her first reaction then when faced with a uh, situation is to hit the run hit the bricks it. it sucks hit the yeah. bricks yeah so, yeah her first thought is this so she is, meets is she, she's assigned and... like a public defender basically um <laughs> who's like he looks like a gundam character like he's just oh he does he's just like some guy um and so yeah so she she interacts with uh with this guy and then runs out like in the middle of the night sneaks out of the building right um and uh so yeah so 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 she sneaks out and and is completely kind of overwhelmed by the future uh despite just being a like a shitty gas station it's <laughs> it's still a shitty out. holographic gas station uh and then the then yeah she's picked up by her lawyer um and is this before or after it kind of he like takes her out on the town this is before he takes her okay. out on the town because he, he takes her out on the town after she tries to escape and then he takes her to this restaurant and she just eats like so much food <laughs> yeah so so he, he kind of he kind of let, uh takes her out to kind of live a little in the in the in the future uh and then the collection agency catches up with them yeah uh so she like there's like she she doesn't fall in love with him but she definitely has a soft spot for yeah. him because um, i mean he's the only person who's been nice to her that she can remember <laughs> yeah uh, and so the, yeah. yeah and then so they split up in the woods and then his car gets exploded and he he she thinks he's died and then it's like all right we'll bequeath upon you his assets and all of his assets are that he is also in debt uh and so now she has <laughs> yeah so so like she's she's feeling really like emotional and then like her only friend in this in this shit new world has just blown up and then, <laughs> then she sees what he has left her and she's like that motherfucking goddamn piece of shit and then runs away again now she's got his debts to run away from yeah. as well oh <laughs> uh, and then yeah fast forward three years um yeah Spike Spike has overheard this entire story because he was in the bathroom and tells Faye that her story was too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, Jet's going after uh, this bounty, which someone. turns out to be the same guy. Hey, back from the dead, and he got uh, fat implants. He got fat implants. Uh, he, I guess if you have a real, he decided to change real... his his appearance to avoid capture yeah. by becoming the protagonist of a schlubby dad sitcom from the nineties. Yeah, so so uh, he foisted his debts on her and faked his own death. Uh, so, <laughs> so she's even more pissed now. Yeah, so she uh, then... captures him and like flies away in her spaceship with him. Oh right, so yeah, dis- even despite how pissed she is at him, like she doesn't want to hand him over to the cops yeah 
because uh, she she still does like feel like she owes him something. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the doctor shows up again. <laughs> yeah. So, the ending is so bizarre. This, the end so, of this episode is really weird because, yeah, they're, they're all on the run. And then it turns out the doctor has, like, stolen a police car and is also on the run. And then it's like, sorry, we never had any information related to your past. We don't know who you are. We gave you the last name Valentine because I like the song My Funny Valentine. Go fuck yourself. How, how did they know her first name was Faye? I don't know. Probably Because we learned later that is her real first name. Yeah. Uh, um, but and then and then like and then our now schlubby public defender weirdo is like is like uh ojisa <laughs> <laughs> and it's and like i i did what's what's going on Cass? do you want me to tell help you me, help me understand what <laughs> We got the we got the hot nurse, the weird doctor, the schlubby. What's what was their whole deal? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. I think it was all an elaborate scam to resuscitate people who were in cryosleep and put them in massive amounts of debt. Okay, that checks out. Uh, and I think he was like a like a partner in this because they were familiarly related. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then at the end of that episode. Um, yeah, Faye, like, he winds up in jail. They pen, they hand him over to the police. Faye's like, I guess you're getting paid back for all the lies that you told. Uh, and he's like, well, truthfully, the one truth that I told is that I did fall in love with you while you were asleep. And then Faye is like, <laughs> Faye, like, and he's like, I'm lying. I'm sorry. I was, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, what the fuck, dude? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, uh, next is the ACAB episode. The ACAB episode. Uh, yes. So, yeah, so this episode, uh, yeah, like, there's this, like, extremely powerful assassin who, like, helps a bunch of convicts hijack a transport, a prison transport ship. And this guy, this is another Jet episode that he, like, Jet believes that this guy, um, or, like, Jet was a cop. And Jet's fucking cop outfit is so funny. Yeah, just the most like noir ass noir. Yeah, he's like in a trench coat with a fedora, and it's it's very very funny. And so and yeah, and so uh, we learned that he he has one uh, like fake uh, fake metal arm. Yes. Well, it's real metal, but it's not. A, it's, it's a it's a it's a robot arm. arm. And we learned that he lost it when he was chasing this assassin Udai, and got. Uh, kind of lured into a trap uh, and then got shot in the arm and it had to be it had to be amputated yeah so so he he rendezvous with an old cop buddy of his yeah uh, who has the deets on Udai yeah yeah so yeah I don't remember like this episode super in, in super huge detail all I the screenshot that I have was of this of this the guy who's like driving the prison transport ship the prisoner he's like I had a cop on Venus once and the other guy being like and now you're in prison for life and he's like cops are human too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so I, I forget kind of the the details but it ends up with Spike and his old partner uh, old going partner. after Udai and so they they make it onto this prison ship and Spike starts Jet gets in a fight with Jet gets into in a fight with him uh and is a is is losing the fight 
against Udai, and then Udai gets shot. Yeah. Uh, so his partner, his partner, uh, sidles up, um, and Jet's like, "You weren't supposed to fucking kill him." Uh, then it turns out that all cops are bastards. Yeah, and so it turns out that 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 Jet's cop partner was uh, working with the syndicate and was actually the one who shot Jet in the arm. Um, yeah, he says he says uh, cops either either quit like you or they die. We can't live on with our our pretty little ideals. <laughs> Uh, which yeah they're, they're like yeah they're they're no they're all no, cops are bastards the only, good cop is ne- the only good cop is next cop yeah uh yeah and so and so um jet pulls his gun on on his partner they both fire uh jet wins turns out that the the other guy he only had one bullet in his gun he was um he wanted jet to to finish him off um very very old man um Old, old old man angst episode <laughs> yeah uh, in in the in the in the preview bit for this uh at the end of the previous episode it's 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 just jet being like this is uh this this next episode well uh kids kids shouldn't watch this it's not for the ladies either and really really young men probably won't get much out of it this is a this is for the old guys <laughs> Yeah, so it's just a very old, like hard-boiled old cop, uh, like story. But like because it's Cowboy Bebop, it's it's done well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then um, we get our mushroom episode. Uh, so the Bebop is they're stranded in space, and they get like involved in a space hit and run, which causes them to crash land on 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 a moon, uh, where they encounter the Western world. <laughs> Oh, this I thought this for some reason I thought this was Earth. Um, uh, this is, uh, okay, so this is the this is the the Western world. Yeah. Rather. Um So yeah, so then Ed this is a very Ed focused episode. Um So yeah, so yeah, they're all so they're every, they haven't they ran out of food, they're all super hungry. Uh and so they they get there's a hit and run. Yeah. So they uh, they, they, get, they crash land on this planet and they enlist Ed to go and look for food. <laughs> the pink great idea guys yeah so ed and ein head out and look look for food S- send our most distractible uh member to go look for food uh, and along the way they encounter this very like 70s black exploitation film ass lady in like a leather outfit she's like a cool bounty hunter oh, afro lady cool she rules yeah and she's like driving her car really really fast through the desert um, and they come across like a stand Ed and Ed and I come across like the stand where this guy is selling a bunch of watermelons and they're like, can we have a watermelon? And he's like, it costs money. And they're like, but we don't have any money. And he's like, well, you don't get any watermelons then. Uh, yeah. And then, and then our, our bounty hunter, uh, lady shows up and, and they hitch a ride in her trunk. Yes. Um, yeah. And then she pulls it, she gets pulled over by the cops at another place because they're looking for someone and they open up her trunk and then there's just like a child and a dog in there and they're like well you're under arrest for something <laughs> yeah uh and so while while she's resisting arrest uh ed and ein hit the bricks and run into the very bounty she's hunting yes who is just this this dude this dude this dude in a fucking blue onesie yeah he's like a blue jumpsuit with like a brown like leather cowboy vest and he has a a duffel bag full of mushrooms he's a weird looking guy 
This is just, he's just like that's just what people looked like in the seventies. Is what is what he looked like. Like he like he could just be like like a, a background guy at like a Parliament Funkadelic show. Like he's just sitting there, just like doing hand percussion or something. He's just hanging out. Uh, so yeah, so he's he's got a bounty on his head for selling uh, cool mushrooms. Yeah, and uh, so so yeah, he runs into a guy. Yeah, this other guy got, with like a purple trench coat shows up dragging uh, a coffin. Coffin seller, I am going into battle. <laughs> and is like, I'm the younger and, of the Shaft brothers. This whole thing is like a weird sort of like black exploitation movie send up because this guy is Shaft. Yeah, it's I don't I don't understand why it's all here, but it's all here. Yeah, and so his his brother ate some of the bad mushrooms, and he's like, "Now I'm going to put and you so, in this coffin." <laughs> yeah. And so they go off on a Benny Hill chase, and Ed, well, the coffin is run over by a truck and smashed to bits. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then yeah, and then one the onesie mushroom seller runs off. Yeah, and he drops his mushrooms on the floor, the... and Ayn eats one. And this is maybe my favorite bit of animation <laughs> in the entire show because Ayn just like <laughs> turn, just like stock straight like all of his limbs and just bounces down the street. It's so cute. <laughs> and then Ed decides to do science, and uh, and doses the rest of the bebop with these mushrooms yeah but just like because he just like leaves the mushroom out on a plate outside the bebop and everybody and ed knows for sure that every single person who walks by that on the bebop will walk by a mushroom on a plate and be like whoa don't mind if i do <laughs> yeah and so and so they all have terrible trips yes yeah, uh, spike hallucinates that he's walking up an endless staircase uh Faye hallucinates that she's like in an aquarium first she's She's stuck in like the the um, the toilet, and then like overflows, and she ends up in an aquarium. Yeah, like so it's the most the worst aquarium. Yeah, and then and then Jet Jet actually has a really good trip. He just hangs out and talks to his bonsai. Oh yeah, he's just like (laughs) he's just sitting there talking. Hey, you know the world really is a great place. (laughs) Then he's like, "Ah, what was I saying? Uh I figured out the meaning of life. Uh, Who am I? Who am?" So Jet uh, has a good Jet has he, a good time. Then uh, Ed uh, sees that the that the the guy um, has a bounty out for him. So uh, she's like, "I'm going to be a hero and and, and be the bacon bringing Homer," uh, and goes after them. And then <laughs> the silliest chase scene. Yeah, they, yeah. Like, the like there's three bounty hunters chasing after this guy. Well, there's there's. There's, well, no, there's there's there's, there's, Shaft, there's what there's, who is who, he's, he's, not a, he's, 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 he's a personal just, van, on a personal vendetta, and then there's a bounty hunter, and then there's Ed, <laughs> correct, <laughs> affiliate of bounty hunters, <laughs> and then they all end up on a tr- on a on a train. Yeah, they're like running across so the top got- of the train, and then Ed, there's like a cow in the way. Um. And Ed, Ed. Oh yeah, it's, it's so yeah. So Ed caused enough, so caused enough chaos that like the the dude and the lady just like uh, crash and burn. And so it's just Ed and the onesie mushroom man. And then there's a cow on the on the tracks. The train stops. They they all fall off. And then Ed lands on top of the onesie. And the onesie is like, look, let me go and I'll give you these mushrooms. They're worth a million, like a hundred thousand. Yeah, they're worth like a million each. And 
It's like cool, okay. Yeah, and then and then uh, Ein says thank you to. This is not subtitled in the English version. Ein, it's it's only there's subtitles in uh in Japanese on the screen where Ein says to the cow arigato, and the cow says ite koto yo. And so and so uh, Ed gets comes back all proud uh, with a bunch of mushrooms and. Faye and Jet are just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and then uh, the cops, yeah, the cops show up and are like, we want to ask some questions about illegal mushrooms, and they're like, we don't have any of those. And I was like, oh, I know that guy. Uh, yeah, and, and it's like, oh yeah, 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 we met. And then, and then Faye and uh, Jet are both trying to shut her up, and then and then Spike, uh, dazed, wanders out of the tent with holding the entire devil bag <laughs> full of mushrooms. And the cops are like, ah. Let, 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 and then he, he has some sort of there. mushroom test, and he's like, "Oh no, these are good. They're just shiitake mushrooms." <laughs> you must really like shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> uh, and so then they have an all shiitake dinner. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Then uh, then that's all they have for the next month. Yeah, to eat. So yes, and then another Faye episode. Faye is at the horse race track. Faye, yeah, Faye is a uh, is making sensible financial decisions yes uh she's losing at the horse race track and she 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 spent a thousand dollars on pull on uma on uma masume pools <laughs> uh and so she she comes back from her triumph to the bebop and there's a cash on delivery uh package for her yeah which can mean it can only mean uh, one of the thousands of people she's fucked over <laughs> have caught up with her and are delivering a bomb or yeah, something. Yeah, so she just leaves. And so, so she's like, well, for now, I'll just run away. <laughs> and go to the dog racetrack this time. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, and what's inside? Jet, I Jet, forgot. Jet. I completely forgot about this episode and the fact that there was a whole episode of, of this show where the plot revolves around the difference between VHS and beta cassettes. <laughs> that yeah. So Jed is assuming that it's a bomb because... Uh, he, that's what he would do, uh, and but and so he's like planning how to how to how to carefully open this package without yeah. exploding it. And Spike it. just opens and, it, like pulls the tape out, and 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 Jed is like, is it making any ticking noises? <laughs> yeah, and so it's tearing apart the the tape. Um, yeah, and then they find out that the tape's been passed around the entire solar system for some reason. Yeah, so it's been forwarded and forwarded and forwarded, and somehow finally managed to find Faye, uh, and so. Yeah, they're like, well, so they decided to take it to the technology connections guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, if it, there's there's a, a YouTube channel called Technology Connections, it's run by a, a great guy, uh, and he is very enthusiastic about videotapes. Um, and it's this guy. Um, it's this guy, and he uh, he just so, goes off. So, they they walk into his shop, and he's watching like some 20th century drama. <laughs> It's amazing that this show managed to make me feel sympathy for this freak. <laughs> because, like, Spike just, like, single-handedly destroys his shop just by just just through sheer carelessness. Yeah, yeah, he comes in and he's smoking, and the guy's like, don't smoke in here, you're gonna ruin the tapes. And then he puts out the fucking cigarette on one of the cassette players. Yeah, and they pull out the and cassette, then, and he's like, oh, is that a beta cassette? Segoy! Um, and and then he's like, back in the 20th century, they didn't use discs like we do to record movies. And I love that they were, like, hard, hardcore predicting that DVDs would still be a thing in 2078 or whatever. <laughs> um, which is, is really funny. 
Um, it's like they use things called videotapes, which are in cassettes like this. It's not digital. It's analog. And to top it off, it's magnetic. Yeah, magnetic. They were recording with electromagnetic signals. Ain't that amazing? But a disagreement between the companies who created this technology resulted in two standards, beta and VHS. And then he's talking about, like, beta, it was higher quality. You didn't get that much noise when using the special feature replay features like still frame and slow motion. And because beta had high quality images, users who were into good graphics supported it heavily. But there begins the unfortunate history of the beta tape. This is just the introduction. Um, it's it's really good. Um, yeah. And so Jet is like, shut up. Can you get anything off this tape? Yeah. Uh, and so... So they start watching it, and it's like pretty... It seems to be like a home movie recorded um, from the perspective of somebody wearing a skirt. Uh, and they realize it, it's, it's teenage Faye. Yeah, so they see her from a distance, and they're like, that sure does look a lot like Faye when she was young. Um, and then it starts then, then it starts breaking up. He's like, oh, the tracking on these is hard to deal with. And so he starts fiddling with it. And it gets better for a second, then it gets bad again. And then it starts eating the tape, and uh, then Spike kicks the shit out of the beta <laughs> machine. He just keeps kicking it until it fucking explodes. And the guy has this look on his face, just look of abject <laughs> The guy, just, the guy just has a conniption. He's, he he has the face of a character in a Junji Ito manga. Like he is losing his mind. Yeah, and honestly, like fair. Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> You're such a fucking shithead. <laughs> he's, he's such an asshole. Then, yeah. Afterwards, he's like, "Thing is." Kicking things usually fixes them. It's like, shut the fuck up, man. Um, so yeah, so then they find out the, about the existence of a the underground city electrical museum in old Asia, and and so they 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 take this anime to to Akihabara, um, and they go to they go to the ruins of Akihabara. Um, like this, they get yeah, this giant spelunking montage. Yeah, it's incredibly of, funny. Of yeah, of trying to trying to get to the bottom of this of this massive flooded building. Yeah, uh, to, to, to find, find a Betamax player. And of course, they, because they weren't listening to the fucking nerd. What do they do? They, they bring back a VHS player. Yeah, they listen to the technology connections guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, they, 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 it doesn't fit. Uh, but then, miraculously, they get a uh, they get a beta player in the mail, yeah, and then they're so, able to watch so, the whole video, and they find out that it's like a time capsule message from ten years for, for from teenage Faye to ten years in the future, like her, like her high school class, yeah, or something. like a bunch. Of, it seems uh, like just her friends from high school, yeah, um, making yeah, making a little a, a little video for like that they were gonna bury and open up ten years later. Uh, yeah, and so and so by this time, Faye has has uh, realized that the dog races are just as much luck as the horse races, and that it's all a big scam for 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 chumps. And she's and uh, she's she's over it. Uh, but <laughs> then she gets back, and they're all huddled around the 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 player, and Jet's like. Uh, if you don't, if you want to watch, you need to pay for the cash on delivery. She's like, "Fuck you," and 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 sulks off. But then, yeah, she watches from around the corner. Comes comes back and comes back and and, and sneaks a peek and uh, sees her painfully sincere little teenage self uh, talking to the to uh, an imagined. Um, well, I guess presumably. 
it might not be high school. So we learn in the in, a, in the episode, well, she, the cryo yeah, freeze if, episode, yeah, she that she was she was put into cryo when she was twenty. Yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing the video the video is like her saying. Ima- talking to her, her imagined self 10 years in the future so and she looks significantly imagine, younger in the video so it might be middle school Faye. yeah so i, I imagine i'm guessing she's either 10 or 13 uh either either it's yeah she might be like 14 or 15 maybe it's hard to say yeah well because now she's it's been three years since she woke up so she's like 23 uh so that would be that would be kind of an elegant little um 10 year jump um but of course it's been uh, 64 years Beatles Beatles reference right there oh. <laughs> uh, you can't escape you can't escape them the Beatles are inescapable and and so yeah so it's just this yeah this 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 just painfully cheerful sincere girl in this like stereotypically like uh, pink room talking to her her future self about like how she's cheering for her uh etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and Faye is just like what the fuck it because it, yeah because well, um, what she's saying is she says i'm here today and i'll always be cheering for you right here cheering for you my only self you know yeah, like and, yeah. and it's she delivers this sort of monologue about the connection between her past self and her future self which has been severed by the memory loss you right, know right 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 uh, and so we don't see a lot of Faye because um, this messes her up. And so she kind of withdraws. Um, yeah. So in our next like, our next episode is a spike focus one. He's gone to go get his ship uh, fixed by this weird old guy um, who like apparently gave him the ship originally. Um, and they're... Oh, oh yeah, this, they're, yeah, they're after the, a bounty the, the, where, like, the bounty ha- is, like, a hacker, and he, like, gives, like, computers a virus. Yeah, but when they get, I think it's when they get injected, when they get, if, when the computer gets infected with the virus, or when they're about to infect somebody with the virus, it's a screen, and it is, it, it, it displays, it's called Black Hell Virus Mixing System, and then at the bottom it has a picture of a <laughs> syringe, and it says, let's go to hell, with three exclamation points. <laughs> See, yeah, so this is yeah, this is a funny episode because, um, yeah. So, so yeah. So it mostly revolves around there. They, they have like a virus that can take control of your ship, um, and then, um, so they have to come up with a plan to defeat it, which is that they're going to turn off their ship computers when bit if they get infected with the virus, and then Luke, you turned off your yeah, and then Spike gets his gets his ship fixed, and then they go up into space, and then his ship gets damaged, and he starts like deorbiting, um, and then in order to save him, the old guy and his apprentice, who's like a a hip young dude, uh, he just loves the blue socks. Okay? He loves the blue socks. He will not stop talking about baseball, um, because they they hear that they're in trouble because they choose an analog radio station uh, to communicate over, and it turns out that it's the same station at, that the baseball game is being broadcast over. <laughs> right. uh, so they hear. So the guys on the ground, the old guy and his and his apprentice, hear about uh, this. Hear, hear about this and so they decide to go and rescue spike using an old ship that he has lying around which is the space shuttle columbia it's amazing which the- <laughs> like like no other show could make like that 
like so fucking good. It's so good that I'm like, oh man, like, it is the, a real shame that this can't work anymore because the spatial Columbia was destroyed in 2003. Um, like it's the like the music, like 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 they know it's ridiculous, but they like lean so hard into it that it rules. It rules. It's it rules so hard. Uh, like this. Uh, is this the one? No, the the um, I forget. It's it's a later episode where they have the, like the hardest the harmonica has ever gone. <laughs> uh, this this is this is a different a different track, but it's still a fucking banger when the Columbia takes off. <laughs> yeah. So next episode is this is the weirdest episode in the entire show, I think. It really is. Uh, so this episode concerns a very round boy <laughs> named Piero LeFou. Yeah, so he's this... He's like a round guy, and he bounces and flies around and kills people. Yeah. Uh, he's the greatest assassin that dresses up as a clown. He doesn't dress up as a clown. He dresses up as, like, the Monopoly man. I guess he's like so. yeah he's just like he's like in yeah. like a dinner suit like a, a perfectly spherical dinner suit he has white face paint though no he? he just has a beard uh well maybe just yeah this is the lighting I I I was maybe I don't know I always interpret him something as a sad he clown. is something of, a, of uh, an insane be, clown and they're definitely making the, because, the reference to an insane clown I don't know um yeah um because cause at the end he and spike face off in like yeah, yeah in a sort a, of like a fun yeah, a, like a, an amusement park yeah an amusement park uh and <laughs> this reminded me of a couple of things uh one was uh there is a big showdown at the end of the woman called fujiko mine in like an amusement park uh and at that show it draws heavily on i it's at least heavily inspired by a cowboy bebop but the other thing it reminded me was uh knights of the circus uh by angela carter and i think i've posted about this before like it's it's not oh, are we is, is this the <laughs> the image of christ and the clown or whatever yeah yeah so it's a bizarre book and this is but there's this one passage when like the main character is uh, is having dinner with a bunch of clowns, and one of them is is goes off on this monologue about what being a clown is. It goes despair is the constant companion of the clown, for not infrequently there is no element of the voluntary in clowning. Often do you see we take to clowning when all else fails. Under these impenetrable disguises of wet white, you might find were you to look the features of those who were once proud to be visible. You find there, per example, the aerialist whose nerve has failed, the bareback rider who took one tumble too many, the juggler whose hands shake so from drink or sorrow that he can no longer keep his balls in the air. And then what is left but the white mask of poor Pierrot, who invites the laughter that would otherwise come unbidden. The child's laughter is pure until he first laughs at a clown. <laughs> the great white heads around the table nodded slowly in acquiescence. The, th the thing about that whole Birth. thing is that my acting professor has basically delivered that exact speech to me in the past. <laughs> 
<laughs> the mirth the clown creates grows in proportion to the humiliation he is forced to endure. Buffo continued, refilling his glass with vodka. And yet, too, you might say, might you not, the clown is the very image of Christ. The clown is the very image of Christ. <laughs> a child laughing here until he first laughs yeah. at a clown. And then there's a retelling of the Pagliacci myth as well. Like, I thought about recommending this book just for that, but like, it's a really like patchy book. Like overall, it's not great. It has these amazing little segments. So I'll just I'll just drop that here, and we'll uh, we'll scoot right along. Um, yeah. So so yeah, this is the episode where I first noticed that Ed's computer says uh, "tomato" on it in katakana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they, they, uh, yeah, they're one of those little. They're one of those people who build a computer in a cardboard yeah. box. Um, so yeah, and then uh, this is also where Ein barks when Ed gets an email. Ow, ow. Uh, with telling telling Spike to go to Spaceland to face off against uh, against Piero again, and then we learn <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we learn that Piero was essentially created by some sort of sinister government experiment to create an uh, the the perfect warrior. And then they were like, wow, this is fucked up. We should keep him in a closet forever. And then he escaped. Yeah. So so it, it, it so the iteration of the experiment they ran on him caused like severe mental uh, damage. Yeah. So he's, he's basically so, like a, a ch- they describe him as like the mind of a child and like like superhuman murdering ability. Yeah. And so like he managed to escape the facility and then went on a killing spree in revenge, but his mind continued to degrade. And so uh, now he just kills because that's all he really knows. Yeah. Well, he goes because he finds it fun. Uh, yeah. But like, I mean, because he was, he was, he was kind of yeah. built that way. Um, so yeah. So then there's like an elaborate Looney Tunes-esque fight sequence in this amusement park. And then uh, Spike eventually uh, throws a knife into his knee and he falls over and goes, oh, it hurts. It hurts mommy. And then he gets stomped so, yeah, on by a giant animatronic duck. <laughs> and then the episode is over. Yeah. So like, he's such a, like a pure like murdering machine that he never actually gets hurt. But because he's kind of just a little kid, like when he does get hurt, he doesn't know how to how to deal, um, and so he falls over and then gets stomped on by one of yeah, the yeah. It's such um, a weird ending because he just, he just gets obliterated. Like he just he just like gets stepped yeah, on yeah, and then he's just yeah. gone, and then the episode's over. It is a bizarrely uh, dark ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack calls up Spike and is like, "I figured out like what his whole deal is." And Spike's like, "Yeah, don't worry about that. It's it's over." <laughs> Uh, so in our next episode, a, a Studio Ghibli protagonist wanders into the show for uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, just 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 one of one of uh, Miyazaki's plucky uh, uh, girl protagonists uh, decides to uh, be tour guide for for Jet. For yeah, so he tells Jet he gives, sends Jet a, a cryptic uh, email. <laughs> So yeah, so Jet gets an an email from an old an old acquaintance of his. Yeah, uh, name is Pow. Pow. Uh, and then they go, and Pow was born in 2021. Ah. Uh, what a shit time to be born. People, this past week it was Thanksgiving, and people were talking about had done like the back had done the bath backwards, and it worked out that George Jetson is being has been, was conceived this past weekend. Oh yeah, there was yeah there was like the George Jetson's parents 
got successfully nasty yeah. this Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Um, so George Jetson and Pow are contemporaries. Yeah. Or the same person. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Jet, he goes to the grave of, he, he works out what this email is and goes to the grave of this guy, pal, um, who died in an accident some time ago. Or just like three days ago. Yeah. So yeah, three days ago. Yeah. And then meets with, uh, meets his daughter who, and, and learns that he, so he was a feng shui master and his daughter is also a feng shui master and she carries around one of those feng shui compasses at all times. Yeah, that that made me that like she's like half Miyazaki protagonist, half Ace Attorney sidekick. <laughs> she is all, fuck yeah, she is also yeah half Ace Attorney <laughs> character. She's just she, she's just my yeah. Affair. She just has yeah. Uh, well, she she could also just be any witness because she just has like some like random prop that she just carries around at all right. times that she can throw in the air when you call her out in her lies. <laughs> but also, she like like how Maya was training to take over yeah, the. Yeah. Uh, the 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 family um fortune telling tradition yeah so they're looking for this special rock called the sunstone which is very important in feng shui uh and they 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 have a cryptic clue which is at the meeting place of the four gods um which are important in like chinese mythology which are the and they're like associated with the cardinal directions there's there's seiryu which is its japanese name which is the blue dragon byako which is uh white tiger genbu which is the black turtle and suzaku which is the scarlet phoenix um and they're all associated with a different cardinal direction um if you when you learn about this you will see it in every J- japanese role-playing game you will ever play uh <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it show, show crops up in an astonishing number of jrpgs uh, this exact concept, and so we we also learn about universal feng shui while they eat ice cream, and we learn that uh, Jet is really insecure about his age. Uh, like, his, so they, like he he brings the girl back to the bebop to uh, reconvene, and and Spike and Faye are like, who the fuck is this girl? She's too young to be a girlfriend. She's a little too old to be a daughter. Uh, and then. Yeah, they do. They then they 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 get really weird about it. But um, the like at one point, Jet is like, "I'm not that old," and it's like, "Yes, you are, Jet. You could easily be her you dad. You could be her dad. <laughs> like he's in his Jet is like what, like forty? Yeah, he's in his That's forties. I, I'm sure because uh, Sunshine ages that he's probably like actually like thirty, but like canonically or something. Mm-hmm. But like, come on, he's actually he's got to be like forty five. Yeah, yeah. So they find the Sunstone. Um, and it's absorbed the fluctuations of time and space. Uh, and then uh, and Jet tells Spike and Faye to stop smoking inside. Chased by some syndicate mobsters. And then they work out where they work out where Pow is using the Sunstone somehow. And they like chase him down in hyperspace. And he's like in an unstable region of hyperspace. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. So he had been, he had been hiding from the syndicate because uh, he had he wanted to get out and they wouldn't let him and so so the, some somehow jet figures out that what you need to do is is send is kick the sunstone into space have jet shoot or spike shoot it with his uh ship based weaponry and blow open a a a, a, a hyperspace wormhole like a to to see to find a ghost ship uh on the other side of the veil. Yeah, so they go and visit him. Pow says his final words to his daughter, and then he dies. For real. For real. Um, and 
that is the end of that episode. And then, <laughs> and then it's and then it's yeah. cowboy time. Oh God! So, uh, so yeah. So this episode begins with Spike trying to apprehend the Teddy Bomber, who is uh, <laughs> a guy who leaves bombs disguised as teddy bears around at places. Um, yeah. And so Spike catches this guy. Um. And and he's like he's like I got, I got a nice hotel for you a hotel where you get three meals and a bodyguard all for free. And he's like I'm sure it's impossible without a reservation. It's like it's like I'm talking about hotel prison. <laughs> You're so and, cool. And Spike. then he finds out. And then the teddy bomber's like I'd rather not. Spike Spiegel. And Spike is like Oh, how do you know my name? And it's like it's a popular story among criminals that we never want to be caught by you or Andy. Uh, and he's like, who the hell is Andy? And then they get to the bottom of the escalator and the guy, the teddy bomber is like, I will fulfill my objective. And then he throws one leg out and falls on his ass. And it's not clear what kind of movie he was trying to do. <laughs> he like dives on the floor and then like pushes a button on his wrist or yeah. A detonator. And then uh, a detonator and it doesn't go off. And Spike is like, oh yeah, I disabled it. And then it's like. And then it turns out he has more. And then they're like, "Why do you want to blow stuff up so much?" And they're, they're like, "They're trying to like get to the point where where they can where he can where Spike can arrest him." And then Andy shows up. Yeah. So so the teddy bomber is trying to explain his philosophy of bombing, and then we hear the most ominous whistling you've ever heard in your goddamn life. Yeah. And then a guy rides in on a horse. He's in like an all white cowboy outfit. He looks like he just looks like a shithead. Um, and he, he speaks with much gratuitous English. Um, he says, holy, oh oh shit, but in English. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, he says all sorts of stuff in English. Um, and, uh, and he's like, you're the teddy bomber and points his gun at Spike and then the real teddy bomber gets away. Uh, and then Spike comes home and is like, yeah, there was, I got ambushed by a cowboy riding a horse and they don't believe him. And then Ed looks him up and is like, oh yeah, little Andy is a guy in the YMCA. And then uh, Spike is like, oh, he's a Christian. And then it's like, nope, Young Men's Cowboy Association. <laughs> it's just almost deranged. Uh, they they had fun they with did one. have a lot of fun with this one um so yeah so then they go to another party where the teddy bomber is going to is planning to detonate bombs uh this is where Faye is dressed up in that in the in the titty outfit and she she, she gets jugged she gets up, jugged yeah. up um and the teddy bomber is like dressed up as a big teddy bear and then andy shows up and then accuses jet of being the real teddy bomber and then the teddy bomber so yeah jet's dressed just jet is dressed up as like a 60s hippie he's like peace and love man then then uh stops the teddy bomber the teddy bomber is like how the hell did you recognize me um and then andy shows up uh yeah and yeah, and, and then the teddy bomber gets the teddy bomber gets pissed and blows up all the bombs, right? Because no one's paying attention to yeah. him uh, uh, because Spike is trying to get Andy to remember who he was because he's already forgotten him. Uh, meanwhile, Andy is trying to arrest Jet for being the teddy bomber, and the real teddy bomber is trying to get his message out, and no one is fucking listening. Yeah, so he sets up all the bombs, and Faye escapes with, uh, with the. Uh, with andy right they, so yeah they're both first into the elevator andy still on his horse yeah and this is uh this is the proves to be a decision Faye will come to regret because he comes and sits on 
Andy's like weird yacht in in what she describes as in my life I've never seen such a tasteless room. Right. So yeah, she so uh so yeah, so so she they're chasing after the teddy bomber. So she gets on the horse with him and then Spike is chasing and can't decide if he wants to shoot the teddy bomber or Andy. <laughs> and then Andy starts shooting at Spike. <laughs> the teddy bomber gets away yeah uh and then and then yeah andy um, yes. takes faye onto his yacht to feed her some of his special son andy of a, branded son <laughs> of a gun stew uh and, t- and tells faye why he's a why he's a bounty hunter and it's then the grossest we get looking milky my, ass yeah chowder and then faye, faye returns to the bebop and she returns with my, maybe my favorite line read in the entire japanese voice acting which is she just tosses a can of the stew at spike and says hi omiyage <laughs> just as dejectedly as she possibly can <laughs> yeah so uh she's just like it's just she's just like beaten down her soul has been extracted from her yeah it's just she she just all the most revenge she can take is just steal a bunch of his horrible soup (laughs) (laughs) and they just have a pyramid of these these pyramid cans they're not pyramid cans but they're like yeah they're like triangular prisms (laughs) yeah they're like three-sided cans yeah of of soup of soup uh and then the the teddy bomber has finally gotten fed up with being ignored so he issues issues a an ultimatum that he's gonna blow up um this his next building unless unless uh everyone pays him some goddamn respect uh ed figures out which building he's targeting he's just going from tallest to shortest it's pretty simple (laughs) <laughs> uh. and so so spike goes to meet him uh and he's like you're finally here you made me wait and then andy shows Spike's up like, wait 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 listen and they hear the goddamn whistling again yeah. and then andy shows up and it turns out the whole thing was a trap orchestrated to kill both andy and spike because teddy bobby hates them both so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they still won't listen to him yeah so they both get into the elevator and then it turns out the elevator is going to explode when it reaches the top and then it reaches the top and explodes and they both survive somehow uh, and then they're just at the top of this destroyed building and they <laughs> get into a huge fight um yeah <laughs> at one point at one point uh jet is like why does spike hate this guy so much and Faye's like they're too much alike yeah um yeah and, and then spike and so, what does spike do so, so 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 spike falls falls like down a level of this collapsing building and then is just like so like pissed off he just like he slams his fist on a desk which destabilizes everything oh, yeah, and like, causes the entire building to collapse and then uh and is like wow you beat me fair and yeah square. he's like that's a great move you you are a true cowboy and then he says the line he says see you space cowboy and then he leaves and then he gets on his horse and walks out walks into the elevator like what the what 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 are you gonna do now and he's like i don't know i'll find a new meaning and his new meaning is that he dresses up in a samurai outfit and decides to go by the name musashi and the the ending title card for this one says see you space samurai (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> yeah, and so the uh, and so the only one who ever hears the Teddy Bummer's uh, like explanation is this one cop who's uh, in like the in the transport with him when he's being when he's finally been captured and the cop's like so why did you do this he's like because and he goes on this long monologue about capitalism and uh like a perfect a relatively coherent yeah. little little tirade uh and then but then it gets interrupted by Space samurai. Uh, samurai andy and the cop just kind of gives him a, a kind of like a a pat on the shoulder as he's like not again um but yeah so then our next episode is that cult episode we referred to earlier where there's like a big yeah, yeah. hip cult called scratch which is run by a charismatic old man who claims to have uh named dr londis who has a, a bounty on his head but he claims to have uh discovered the secret to like brain uploading through buddhism or whatever um <laughs> that is quote 100 percent. yeah fatal. he's discovered a method <laughs> of mind uploading that is quote 100 percent fatal uh, <laughs> uh, not actually well, yeah, actually if you don't know what that's referencing it's referencing my favorite headline of all time which is a headline from the mit technology review about uh a startup is pitching a mind uploading service that is quote 100 percent fatal um, and so yeah so here we've got a transhumanist marketing his religion to gamers which is really the most cyberpunk thing i can it imagine is, it's pretty cyberpunk this whole episode is very very serial experiments lane yeah, um yeah. Yeah, very cyberpunk. Um, yeah, so he's like, yeah, he's created like a VR headset that like uploads your brain uh, or like brainwashes you into being a cult member. And Faye is trying to like infiltrate the cult by by joining it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then um, like, and then she, yeah, she gets uh, she gets she, she gets in too like, deep. She finds like this like massive pile of televisions and is and then it falls asleep. Um, <laughs> you ever see you ever see so many tvs recently fall asleep <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah so so like basically this is and like it's like a room full of the bodies of other bounty hunters who have come start seeking this guy because he's not there and he just like like uses his powerful mental energy to put them to sleep or whatever um right so yeah so she joins so she yeah so she's in the cult and, and so, then uh so I they, think so, it's, yeah so so jet and ed do some spelunking yeah. and figure out uh, that this Dr. Londis doesn't actually exist. Like he, the, the, he, he um, created a whole fictional, like um, a fictional history for this guy. It is actually a character being created by a dude who's like been on life support in a, like a hacker on life support in a hospital um, that they like, right. they like sneak in there and they disconnect him from the internet because he can't stop posting even when he's, even when he's dead. <laughs> yeah it's truly the most online person. truly terminally online <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um yeah yes yeah so basically yeah it's basically like yeah so like the his idea is he got yeah he got in this accident and got um we also kind of, they they have to input some this is you saw you posted a picture of this but they have to input some fake data into into the application in order to see what it does with the with the the brain the vr headset and the name that they choose to give jet is marshall banana yeah <laughs> yeah so th so the, this this kid got um put in like a permanent like a permanent like um suspended yeah persistent vegetative state uh and so kind of he took out his like fury on everyone but for his 
by trying to um, make everyone else be terminally online. Yeah. Um, uh, and he, yeah, so he delivers this whole spiel about how TV created people that are easily fooled by such an idiotic fantasy. Um, and then they jet and, uh, and Ed unplug him. Not like from life support, but from the internet. Uh, right, right. <laughs> they fi- he finally is forced to log off. Uh, and then, uh, yes, so we get another uh, another yeah. another Faye and Ed okay. episode. Episode 24 is, yeah, now we're in kind of the, uh, we're in the end game. Yeah, so uh, Ed... So so here's so so here we we haven't seen a lot of Faye recently because she's still kind yeah, of she's been locked in her room um, watching that beta cassette over and over again, hoping that it will jog yeah, her memory. Trying to, yeah, trying to figure out like where it was taken, what she can do yeah. to find out more and about it. And Ed who she says is. that she knows where the where that video was shot. Because um, there's a fountain, there's a very distinctive fountain in it. Yeah. And and I think this is actually the first time we see Faye's room on the Bebop. I think so. Because usually we just see the common area. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so they go. Uh, so Faye straps Ed to her ship. Uh, <laughs> and they fly. Uh, and they wind up at the orphanage that Ed used to live at. And then, yeah, and then Jet, Jet comes out. And, and Spike is just, like, brushing his teeth on the deck. He's like, the women of God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she find they find themselves at at Ed's old orphanage, um, where they learn where Ed learns about her dad. Um, uh, yeah, so so she so yeah, the, so the so and her dad the, looks like the, he the is the, the, the vocalist there. for a new metal band. He yeah. So, so when it, so, so she places like she a, places a fake bounty on his head to try to get uh the the other to get the crew of the bebop to lead her to them. Um, yeah, to him. yeah, yeah, yeah. And his for his height, he's six feet tall, and for his weight, he's four hundred sixty six pounds. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't notice that. Yeah, um, I immediately. I saw that. Yeah, I was so, like four sixty six pounds and that weighs. How is he made so out of yeah, neutron the, star matter? What's going on? So he apparently he just like forgotten he had a kid. Yeah. Uh, so the nun says something about how he just kind of forgot, and then so she wound up at this orphanage uh, like seven years ago, and then three years ago wandered off. Uh, and then and then disappeared and now shows up with with uh Faye in tow and and Faye is like why did you take me here i thought you were going to go to the fountain and Ed is like well we just came here for lunch <laughs> uh, and then they yeah before they actually re- meet our neutron star dad uh Ed f- makes good on her promise to actually take uh Faye to the to the fountain um, because, yeah, Ed, Ed had been living on Earth, had been hacking satellites, probably, and so just hanging out is is is, is a genius, and so had had come come across that fountain at some point, uh, and drops drops Faye off to go wander a little around and sightsee, and she meets this old lady who says Faye, uh, which is how we know that's her that's her actual real name. And then she's like, I went to high school with you. Uh, and this woman is like 80. Now. Yeah, she's in a wheelchair and uh, she's very old. And this is a this is a bizarre and crushing, mind-bending realization for Faye. Yeah. 
and and yeah so Faye sees this her classmate's granddaughter run up and be like oh hi who are you and the the old lady is like well she's and Faye is like a ghost um because the woman had said for a second i thought i'd saw a ghost you still look the same as you did way back yeah, then yeah and she's like yep i'm a ghost uh, later fake fake cannot they cannot deal uh so she she fucking just hits the bricks uh yeah and she goes back to what looks like it was her childhood home but it's been completely destroyed there's nothing left but the foundation yeah well first she first she runs back to the ship um and then she is because uh, she's taking a shower and the, between the water and then the fountain something finally clicks and and she remembers everything yeah she remembers the accident that she was in which is that she was on a space shuttle and it like got hit by an asteroid or something yeah i forget exactly what but um she finally re- remembers and then like all this time she has been like assuming she's like once she gets her memory back she'll know like who she is and where she belongs and so now all of a sudden she like her plan has been to remember what she's doing and go back to like home yeah um her like her real family and so and so she she runs out of the shower and she bumps into spike and then she like he for she she is kind of speechless for a second he's like what's what 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 the fuck is up and she's like i'm 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 sorry i have to leave and all this time she's been kind of assuming that the guys are going to ditch her at some point they're going to get sick of her and and leave her and now she she thinks she and now she thinks it's time for her to be the one to leave and it's 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 like it's so jarring uh that she has no idea what to say and so she just kind of it has makes a very sincere apology that he doesn't understand and 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 turns around and and runs away before uh yeah he can get anything more out of her yeah and she um uh so yeah she she returns to her childhood home which is it's completely gone it's just just the foundation is left and meanwhile uh spike and uh and jet go and try to collect this bounty uh, on uh, Ed's father, which leads Ed directly right. back to her father. Uh, they get into a fight. Right, so and it turns out Ed's father is one of the only th- people in the galaxy who can take Spike in a fight. This is the, this is the bit where we got the hardest the harmonica has ever gone. Uh, the music during during this fight is <laughs> it's it's so good. Find out that Ed's dad is like driving around with this other weird guy trying to like make a map of Earth and like update it whenever a meteor lands on Earth because meteors land on Earth all the time now. Yeah, so like it's like it's like painting the um, the Golden Gate Bridge. Like as soon as you uh, map an area, another meteorite hits, and you have to go update your your the rest of your map, and it's it's a never ending project. And so they're like, we tracked down a map maker and then they look at the bounty again and it's only for 50 wulongs and once again a jet misread a comma as a as a dot <laughs> and then and then uh ed breaks up the fight by crashing the bebop and nearly running them both over and her dad's like oh my son wait yeah thank my you for taking Whoa, care of my son or was it my daughter oh whatever it's all right either way 
and then gives uh, Spike a basket full of eggs as a token of appreciation. It's like here, here. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for looking after. And then it turn, turns to Ed and is like, "So you wanna you wanna travel with Dad for a bit?" And then before Ed can answer, a meteorite hits and. Uh, he and his assistant jump back in their jeep and take the fuck off. Yeah. And so Spike, <laughs> which 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 tells you everything you need to know about how how her dad has operated in her life. Yeah, seeing her dad completely understands why she is the way she is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So then Spike and Jet go back. Ed leaves and decides to go search for her dad. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she searches. I'm not. I don't know if she's searching for her dad. Like I feel like she's not sure where she, yeah. she like um when when Faye um is going to look for the fountain um she's like you should like take off too like you need to, there's a place where you belong you should go find that place um and then ironically enough like um Faye doesn't yeah, find she just sort a of sits in what walk. used to be her bedroom and, yeah. and cries and I, I and I think how I think how it ends is that Ed like she's not sure if she belongs with her dad because clearly he's got other priorities but she eventually she does realize that she no longer really belongs on the bebop yeah, and so she decides to leave and she uh, takes ein ein well ein wants to yeah, go yeah uh, uh but yeah th- like this 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 ending of this episode yeah was, the like, ending of this hit, so, me lot, hit me a lot more emotionally the than ending it did of this episode time. i mentioned earlier that this show is constantly riding on the knife's edge of stupidity um so the end of this episode it has this song the song does a lot of the heavy lifting um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's terrible um it sounds <laughs> like, like yeah, is... it sounds like <laughs> the guy from creed singing over an oasis instrumental it is terrible music and it is cutting between ed leaving Faye crying in her bedroom and jet and spike eating two dozen hard-boiled eggs each in their living room it is and i started crying it is the funniest thing i have ever seen <laughs> Because they are yeah. eating handfuls of boiled eggs. So, so yeah, so they, they get back with the eggs that, that Ed's dad gave them, and they put them into five into five dishes for 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 the five of them with with Ein's dog bowl, and they just start eating eggs. And at some point, they realize the the girls aren't coming back, and they just start eating their eggs. It's so fucking funny. They're just eating like dozens of. Boiled eggs in their bare hands while this music that's trying so hard to be sad is is blasting over the top of it and I couldn't hit it was so fucking funny, dude. I was cracking up. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, I went I like it was like it's an it's I don't I don't know how they do it. It's astonishingly sad and also so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, it's both. It's both. Like it's they we talked before about kind of like jumping shifting the, between tones here they do both at once yeah. they do just most like the funniest fucking shit and the saddest one of shit. the saddest bits of of the of the show <laughs> at the same time it's so oh it's, my but God. yeah like i and i i think i think why it hit me so much harder this time is that i knew what the next two episodes were gonna yeah. do and so you you like i knew much more viscerally that this is kind of the beginning of the end of of the of uh the bebop so yeah so then our last two episodes a- another two-parter real folk blues um 
So in this episode, Vicious is attempting to coup the elders who lead the syndicate. Um, and he attempts the coup and he fails. Um, Spike and Jet are uh, crying together in a, in a pub. The loser the bar. The loser bar. <laughs> <laughs> you first see the name in the reflection and it pans out. It's just right there. Loser bar. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's so good. It's so fucking funny. Uh, is, they are the losers. They just ate 36 hard boiled eggs each. <laughs> <laughs> and so so they're just chilling there and then they um and then they see something through the window duck down and then the whole place just gets smashed to smithereens yeah there's a huge gunfight um, and um and spike runs into sheen who is so, yeah the the younger brother of the dude who died to protect vicious during the jupiter jazz, um, jupiter jazz yes uh, and so, so the so the coup has failed, and so the elders are basically cleaning house and killing anyone sympathetic to vicious or even who previously left the syndicate. Yeah, and so they they're trying to kind of tie up all their loose ends. So they 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 found out about that Spike was around, and so they send a bunch of fuckers after him. But Shin, um, for whatever for whatever reason, he's been like carrying the torch for a spike um and comes comes to warn him we all have stupid crushes that's true um but yeah so we get a flashback to spike and to julia where we get a little bit more clarification about um the plan that they had of spike trying to leave with julia and yeah uh and there's a like there's a really interesting line um where yeah so He's like, so he's before like, you, before just... you cut your hair, you definitely could have cosplayed Julia. Ah, I did it every day. You didn't wear sunglasses enough. That's true. Uh, so yeah, he he asks her to leave with him and just like, she's like, What are we gonna do? He's like, Well, just live a life of freedom somewhere, just like watching a dream. Uh, and like, I'm not sure exactly what the literal, um, original Japanese was. But like uh, the, the 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 phrasing there is really important. Just like watching a dream, like um, like it's it, it kind of as if Spike himself knows that he wouldn't be able to live that kind of life. Yeah. Uh, because for all he, the way he kind of the way he talks about his past, it's it's like it's all about Julia. Like Jet, he, he and Jet talk a bit. Uh, after this episode where and, and he basically said like Julia was my other half and like uh, I basically don't know who I am without her blah 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 but uh, like through through a couple little things like it's not he his 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 uh, inability to um, move past what happened three years ago isn't just about her like uh, when when they reunite um now she's the one saying let's just let's just get out of here leave not look back but he does he doesn't he he um knows he he is going after vicious and so it was never just about julia like the his whole past was something like he as much as he claims that he wanted to get out of the life it's clear that 
he, he couldn't yeah. like uh and so meanwhile Faye is uh so the previous episode ended where she found the bombed out like ruin of her childhood home and so she hasn't been back to the bebop since she's been trying to figure out what the fuck to do yeah because like she finally learned about her past and now it's been like taken from her again yeah. in a sense because yeah, she found she, the thing that she was looking for and it's meaningless uh and so she's hanging out in an airport terminal and there's this like such as this sweet little scene so it um she's listening to this little old lady muttering to herself about how she like won't um like let them pity her etc cetera, etc cetera. she she's waiting for someone and then it's her son her son comes up um and she, yeah she'd been muttering about how she doesn't want to live a life where she's always in someone's way and that there's there's uh, no place for her now and she's just feeling very self-pitying and then her son comes up and he like clearly her just, son like, is the guy who hosts the big absolu- shot absolutely it's, loves it's, her it's yeah important. and it turns out he's he's one of the hosts of the of the uh bounty hunter show that it was the their previous their last episode had had just aired during the um same episode that uh ed leaves and so, which was which was such a little kind of like just like a little one more little like heartbreak yeah. that that the show got canceled uh and now here he is like a completely normal dude not in his like goofball cowboy get up just like being the sweetest son to his mother he's like i i sincerely really want you to live with me uh and just trying to make her believe that she's not a burden that he loves her and wants to like take care of her and Faye watching that, I think, is really important yeah. uh, for her to kind of begin to understand that, uh, like, it's okay to rely on other people. Yeah. And uh, that she, she, in fact, has people who she cares about and who cares about her. She's just been unwilling to acknowledge it because she's been, yeah, yeah that, that moment was when I realized, like, how much of this show is about that sort of found family thing and, and her coming to terms with really the exact opposite, again, of what what they talk about in uh, Tokyo Godfathers of just like, it's like she has had this conception in her head of what her family or her places where she belongs is supposed to be like her, you know, for the entire show. And she's just been confronted with the fact that it's not real, that it can't ever be real, that she can't ever have what she wants. And that's fine because she can have what she's already had, you know, which is a life with a family who loves her. It's just not the family that she used to have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And so, um, so she leaves the terminal and then who does she run into? Julia. But Julia. So Julia is, is in her car being chased by some of the syndicate uh, and so she does like a lap around the terminal and yeah. um, Faye saves her like by shooting Faye, up their tires. Faye shoots up their tire. Uh, she pulls up, Faye jumps in uh, and they, they, they take off. Yeah. And they get into a chase and, with this, um, and then they, uh, they have a, I mean, they have a, they have this, they have a conversation where they're both kind of complaining about like the shit they're dealing with. Yeah. And Faye, Faye and utters the immortal line. It might be good to pair up with another woman. <laughs> uh and 
yeah, like I think the last time I watched it, I was just like, oh, if only like they had actually like uh, just like got off and been cool together. But like knowing the structure of the show and knowing how it works, like um, you know that this is just we get a t- this is just a tight like Julia serves as a tiny window into Jet's past, Spike's past, um, Spike's past, and like I like I remember I think I was reading like. Uh, uh, like a retrospective on Bebop a few years back. I think it was like Gita Jackson and like Maddie Myers mm. and some of that crew. Uh, I think I remember this vaguely. And yeah, and one of them made the point about how like um, Julia of all the characters is kind of the most clearly a narrative device. Yeah. And like, like criticism of her being like insufficiently like fleshed out as a character is kind of missing the point um because like for better or for worse she represents kind of um the fact that spike is like chasing after ghosts yeah yeah she is she is daisy buchanan yeah um, yeah and so and, and so, vicious is tom buchanan and so the, yeah so the idea of of Faye ha- having any kind of extended like interaction with her it just doesn't make sense in the context of the show and so uh yeah julia's like that 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 sounds nice but i've i've got some things i need to take care of and it would be one thing if this show had if 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 this show didn't have any other like women characters who are well fleshed out but like i think it's fine for julia to be like this because we have Faye, we have ed we have a lot of side characters and stuff that that get to be good women characters in the show like it's in a in a different worst show i think julia would come across as a little fridgy but yeah but like in a sense like she in a sense like it's kind kind of deconstructing kind of the like noir stereotypes and so that you could like it's you kind of have to incorporate some in order to kind of uh examine the genre yeah and so she and so she is that she's kind of the the uh the dame yeah <laughs> but she um rejects this like in, in insofar as she is a character in the show she does kind of subvert certain tropes like um she is not like a damsel in any sense no no she what we we learn is that she's been fighting for her life and fending for herself for the past several years on the run just like spike has just off screen yeah yeah you know um and so before they part, she and Faye, um, like Faye, Faye is like just knows there's something about her that she can't quite put her finger on. Um, yeah. And then, but somehow Julia knows exactly who she is. Yeah, and says like, "If you see Spike again, tell him. Like, I'll be waiting there." And yeah, uh, and Faye is just like, "Why?" <laughs> then uh julia just takes off and face like why do you know uh and and i i feel like there might be a double meaning there like uh both why are you going to be like why are you so committed to waiting for a spike for like three years now and and why do you know who i am yeah because, um, but it's it's clear she's got her she's got her ear to the ground. Um, yeah. So Faye returns to the bebop uh, and says, "I'm looking for the one with the fluffy hair." And Jed is like, "You can just say Spike." 
and so she goes to talk to Spike and tells uh, tells him before you go, like because Spike is getting into his ship, I think to go fight Vicious, yeah. and it's like, wait. I, I have a message for you that she'll be waiting for you there. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, it's from Julia. And Spike is like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but like, uh, which, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, it's such a great like interaction because so like Faye comes out, she doesn't want to just be the messenger. Like it feels like demeaning. And so she, I forget what she says at first, but like Spike just blows her off because he's so focused on yeah, on vicious um, getting out of there, and so uh, like basically she's the one who cracks first and is like and tells him about about Julia, um, which is which I which it was originally kind of her bargaining chip to try and get him to have a conversation, uh, but then yeah he just he just um, doesn't even like thank her and just just takes off yeah um yeah this whole this um, whole sequence is yeah that whole interaction between spike and and faye is so good because faye in this scene faye is a character who has found out what she she's resolved the situation with her past and it has not made anything better and so she has the knowledge that spike doesn't have and that spike can't have no matter how many people tell him because he has to learn it for himself by going to fight vicious and faye knows that like if anybody told me what I know now, you know, before I found out, I wouldn't have believed them. And I know you're not going to believe me now either. Mm, yeah. You know, as I think, I think like the sort of interact energy behind that interaction, especially when Spike tells her like one of these eyes is, is fake, you know, and now I have an, one eye that's always sees in the past. Oh, well, well that's later. Yeah. That's at, that's after Julia dies. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, that's what I mean. It is is oh, not just okay. not just in this direction, but in these last two episodes. Um, oh, if okay. I said in this direction, okay, I didn't. I didn't mean that. Um, but yeah, like, um, but yeah, especially a little later during during that conversation. Um, but yeah, so, Ju- so yeah, so Spike goes uh, to meet up with Julia. They meet in the graveyard, and then they get in a gunfight, and then they go and to well, first, um, so we get. I think we get a little more flashback there. So. Uh, so Vicious had learned that Spike was leaving and that Julia knew. Yeah. And so he basically blackmails her and and says, either you kill Spike for or me. Or I'll kill both of you. Or I, or I kill you both. Uh, and so in the present again, she's like, if I had killed you, I would have been free. And then Spike is like, why didn't you? And she's like, why did you love me? Um, uh, like very 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 much this so uh, yeah hitting hitting the noir tropes hard yeah, yeah so then they go and they meet up with what's her name she runs the annie. annie who runs she runs like a convenience store um and knows spike from back in the past um and we'd we'd met her earlier in a previous episode where she said that spike was dead uh we're supposed to be dead yeah, yeah. um and um yeah they find her and she's been she's been shot by syndicate members and is dying um and then the syndicate members burst back into the into the convenience store, and they get into a gunfight, and then they climb up onto the roof. Yes. Um, yeah. So this is this is where um, Spike, she, like she she so Julia is like still with Annie, and then she Spike comes out of the back room with a whole like cardboard box full of yeah, guns and ammunition, and she's like, "You don't need all that to run away," which is when you know that like it was never about Julia that like his. 
he's locked into his past. Yeah. Due, due to Vicious, probably more so than her yeah. even. He's got to deal with his ex-boyfriend now. <laughs> uh, and then you mentioned Faye and Spike's interactions. And then back on the ship, um, like Faye and Jed are, are there. And Faye is like, where the hell did he get to? And Jet says something about how he went off to do away with his past. And Faye says, you made him go. Uh, so like they, they, they basically never interact one-on-one. Faye and Jet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so you can like, you kind of know like that with Spike gone, like they aren't going to stick together. Yeah. Like he was, he was kind of the, the glue that was keeping their little band together. Uh, because like Faye said, Oh, that's why he, I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was a cop. Um, and so they kind of just kind of snipe at each other. Uh, and then uh, Jet asks about Julia and Faye's like, she was a normal woman, uh, but she, a beautiful, dangerous, but normal woman that you can't leave alone. An angel, an, an angelic uh, devil or a devilish angel. <laughs> I can be your anger. <laughs> <laughs> um and it like it it's 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 funny because like yeah she like her character design is so normal kind of normal yeah she, you think she looks normal uh, cause she just looks exactly like you <laughs> i mean there's nothing remarkable about her like like faye no she's just a, a blonde it's lady. like yeah like faye's character design is a fucking character yeah. design uh whereas julia is just but like what she represents is so much more than that yeah so spike flies out and then he flies to the building where vicious is and fights his way to the top floor uh right okay yo oh yeah 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 so the second time i started crying was when like fake is left behind yeah and she starts crying by by um because we missed the pull part about julia oh yeah 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 well you skipped ahead (laughs) so so after so after annie gets killed i was gonna say it uh Sorry, yeah, I, I, I jumped us around a bit. Um, yeah, so Annie gets killed, and so, then they, they fight their way up to the rooftop, is what I was saying, and then they get up to the roof, and then they kill the last syndicate member, and then they think they're safe, and then another guy pops out and shoots Julia. Right, so yeah, this is a, another instance where, like, the sound design uh, is so incredible. So you see, yeah, like, you see they're both, like, crouched down on this kind of, like, rooftop, and then just then just no sound and then julia kind of stands up just most kind of casual like getting to her feet uh and then you know something is going to happen and this guy and and this guy pops up from behind and hits her in the back literally 10 minutes after we met her (laughs) in the show um yeah and so so then so so after that is when uh Spike goes back to the Bebop one last time to kind of basically get every single gun in the place. Yeah, and then he flies and, to... Um, and that's when Fake fake confronts him. Yeah, and she says, are you just? Are uh, you telling me you're just going to throw your life away? And he says, I'm not going there to die. I'm going there to see if I really am alive. Yeah, she, um, so she... she, uh, she and then she, and then she starts crying. She gets, well, she, here she's actually trying to stop it. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, at one point, she's like, you told me that the past didn't, that the past didn't matter, um, but, now, but now you're leaving, and then... Uh, my memory came back and nothing good came from it. There was no place for me to return to. This is the only place I could go back to. Yeah, uh, I, I love this and, interaction. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This whole conversation and is then so good. This, this is when 
after he turns around and starts walking away, when she, when she pulls out her gun and starts, I mean, she, she doesn't even like when she was doing this to Gren, like she at least aimed near him here. She just shoots at the ceilings. Like she, like there's no, um, pretense about her actually shooting him. She's just so grief stricken that now that she's finally kind of just beginning to turn the corner with regards to like admitting to herself that she needs spike in her life and admitting that she has no place other than the bebop now he's yeah she's finally realized that she had the thing she was looking for the whole time and now she's going to lose it yeah and so after this like this is the basically the place part of the show that fucks you up the most yeah so spike yeah so spike goes to the building where uh uh vicious is and the syndicate is and fights his way up with uh Shin, uh who dies and it, 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 yeah it almost feels kind of rote at this point like uh because this here this part mirrors episode five when he first fights uh vicious yeah. and fights his way through a church instead he's fighting his way up the up the skyscraper and uh he just kind of matter of factly dispatches these goons gets up to the top but the the kind of the emotional high note has already happened and now he's just kind of playing out what what we what inevitably was always going to happen which is he's going to finally finish things with vicious yeah so he walks up the stairs to fight vicious there's a huge explosion that blows off in the top of the skyscraper um and they they get into a huge fight you know they're they're shooting at each other and then um basically they they like come to some kind of come they're they're like i'm vicious says i'm the only one who can kill you and spike says i'll return those words back to you vicious um and then they i forget exactly what they say but like they it because like they're like we're Uh, just gonna kill each other like we're both both yeah at at some point like like uh vicious is basically like like you couldn't leave this life any more than i can you're now you're finally awake uh and then at one point yeah spike says julia passed away let's end it all yeah uh and so they had both kind of disarmed each other they pass each other their weapons back (laughs) they 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 hand each other their weapons back and then uh and then spike gets vicious in in the in the heart and vicious stabs spike well i think it it looks to me from the angle that it's supposed it's trying to sort of imply that spike got the shot off first um and that he might be okay so that basically there's like and then there's like a a brief sort of like flashback dream sequence where spike sees julia's face um and then he goes it's really really bright in the room all of a sudden because the sun is rising and he walks down the stairs into the sun um and you know he walks down very slowly and there's a bunch of syndicate members all pointing guns at him but they're not they're not shooting as he as he walks down the stairs and then um he looks just sort of just sort of off from the camera uh you know make points a finger gun into the sky and says bang and then falls over um and it's like that's another thing of just like that would be so stupid if they didn't just do it if they didn't just do yeah, it so yeah, confidently yeah. like it 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 and and like yeah it, it completely works yeah it completely works um yeah um but yeah i think i think that, i think it's supposed to be a little fake out where when he gets up afterwards and starts to walk down the stairs that you think no you're that you right. think for a moment like maybe he's getting out of this and then you see all the other syndicate right. guys and then you see how slowly he's yeah i remember now realize. yeah the first time i watched it i i it was i wasn't sure at first um 
if he if he had actually died or not then uh, yeah. yeah um yeah um yeah this show this show is really good the la- like the way i think that a lot of like the the episodes in the middle are not uneven in quality but uneven in like content i guess <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a number of them that are definitely cuttable you know <laughs> you could probably make yeah. this a 12 episode series um and and not really lose much um you know which isn't to say that some of the episodes that don't really do much for the plot aren't worth watching like there's nothing here that's like super aggressively like boring or anything like that like there was in utena where there's tons of episodes where i'm just like you could cut this out and lose precisely nothing (laughs) yeah um but um but yeah but like the ending like it reminds me a lot of the ending of uh uzumaki uh the junji ito manga which um i think that this show was more planned out than the then uzumaki but uzumaki when junji ito wrote uzumaki he was basically flying by the seat of his pants and was writing it as an anthology horror series until he needed to end it and then he just happened to come up with a brilliant poignant amazing ending that pulled together all of the loose ends and and made them all make sense and like it's it feels like a magic trick reading that manga and it it similarly feels magic here like watching all of these sort of disparate threads and disparate themes and stuff just all come together in these last two three episodes um like it it really does feel like and it's so much for what the whole show is of just this collection of stuff that doesn't belong together you know of just like visual ideas and genres and stuff like just smashing it all together in a blender and it shouldn't work and then it it is pulled off with so much confidence and so much style that it it, it couldn't not work yeah it, there's one of the next episode preview um bits it's right before the beta cassette episode uh it's narrated by jed and he's talking he's like next episode no actually it doesn't go anywhere at first glance the story is pointless the actions are on a small scale and the ending is forced but what will you get out of it all at first glance it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like that kind of like applies to a lot yeah of this show yeah and the other the another thing about the show that we didn't talk about because we both we both watched the subtitled version of this show but the dub of this show is basically unimpeachable it is really excellent um the the english dub of the of this show yeah i should I, i'll need to watch the english dub at it's, some it's point. quite good i still prefer the subtitles version but it's 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 hard to imagine there ever being another anime dub as good as this one like the cast is really really excellent the english script is really really excellent it captures it super super well um yeah um the first time that i watched the show i watched it dubbed and the second time i watched it i watched mm-hmm. it subbed um and then this is my third time watching it and i watched it subbed again um yeah what it it it, yeah just kind of like like how telling like a series of small stories that kind of build together into something much bigger and and much bigger than some of its parts and yeah it is it is just like i am i am a person who to a certain extent like i value brevity over most other qualities that a story can have 
Uh, <laughs> but this show is such a good argument for the fact that things that feel like filler, things that feel pointless can be meaningful in their own way and that not everything has to be Absolutely. like a Raymond Carver short story. Um you know <laughs> yeah. uh yeah and i think like and it, it sort of ties back into what we were talking about before and that epis that sort of episodic structure which used to be like in the 19th century it was very common in literature because a lot of literature was published episodically you know like a lot of charles dickens's right. novels were published as you know you know one chapter a month in a in a literary magazine or whatever and now they don't have literary magazines anymore um for, for the most part. part um but um you know, like that sort of episodic storytelling used to be pretty common and now it's not so much anymore. Um, like not particularly, particularly in novels. Um, you know, like even very long novels I find tend to not be structured that way. They tend to have somewhat yeah. tighter plots. Yeah. Um, or rather they tend to be structured, um, as like a series of interweaving plot threads that it jumps around between that don't feel episodic, but feel more sort of cinematic um, in a yeah. certain sense is, is my experience in reading more recent, very long books. Like, uh, I don't know. I can think of like one Q84 by Haruki Murakami as being an example of that. And, but yeah, like, and it's, it, but it is like, it's a style of storytelling that I principally associate with Japanese role-playing games. Um, <laughs> you know, because those games are, are often, like uh tim rogers the video game the video game critic and designer tim rogers uh in i think it's in his his action button review of final the final fantasy 7 remake but it may have been in his kotaku when he worked at kotaku it may have been in his kotaku review of dragon quest 11 where he talked about how jrpgs are fundamentally games about hanging out um <laughs> and that yeah i mean i mean like uh i i feel like some of the recent rpgs that do that most like emphatically like persona yeah. um yeah. you know and that sort of thing being really common in jrpgs and cowboy bebop is maximum hangout maximum hangout yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a show about hanging out first and foremost um and it has it has an ending that brings that all together into something very satisfying and plot like but fundamentally it is a show about hanging out <laughs> um yeah so we do have an email so uh we have one email from uh karina who wrote us two episodes ago about uh uh utena um and it's not a particularly important email but it is the only email we got this month so uh karina says hi i listened to the last few episodes of the podcast thanks for the response i have a few thoughts on what both of you said but i'm not sure how much long it might take for me to organize them so i wanted to send this as a placeholder again i appreciate the acknowledgement looking forward to your cowboy bebop episode and particularly if slash when you tackle how it approaches skin color and race for now peace out um so yeah thanks for thanking us i guess thanks for writing in uh it was nice to have the opportunity to set the record straight about utena um and yeah i don't have a ton of complicated thoughts about cowboy bebop's portrayal of race um you know it's it's something that largely i think that when it draws attention to it it is clumsy, like the like weird sort of Native American caricature stuff in the Jupiter Jazz episodes. Yeah. And then largely when it is, uh, but it also has a significantly more diverse like sort of cast of background characters than most anime. Um, yeah. You know, it's it. But like, yeah, specifically I'm thinking about that early, the dog thief episode uh, where like the thief is... Um, 
you mentioned the black exploitation episode. Yeah, there's the mushroom and stuff. Like, yeah, I like. Yeah, we have three characters whose outfits are extremely inspired by like seventies black exploitation movies. Like, um, it, like, yeah, Watanabe is like how he represents black men is very much just like like kind of like a stereotype of like black cool yeah it feels and and it's even it's even weirder in the dog thief episode because like the the thief is this tall black guy with an afro and then they like look him up and he used to be a white guy that got like did he I, i i don't i don't remember this i don't disbelieve you but uh and then, like, yeah, he cha- he changed his whole appearance and went into like to go into hiding. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's uh, any any uh, other example of that. Yeah, it's it's the sort of thing where like like that. I tried to do some research before this, but it's a topic that's actually been written about strangely infrequently. Um, the stuff that I remember people writing about and that I found was mostly people talking about the fact that in the live action remake they cast a black guy to play Jet, which is cool. That's fine. Um, and people talking about Jet being like sort of black coded in the in the original anime series, which is mm. a subject on which I am woefully underqualified. So I will simply say that it's a thing that people have said, and I have no opinion on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I it, like that's not something I noticed. Um, yeah, it's definitely like he- can, hearing can, it. I can understand why somebody would say that. I can totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, um, but yeah, like it's it's a lot of like like a lot of when uh, Japanese media tries to approach questions of race and gender, it is a little clumsy. Um, yeah, it, like and it ha- like it hasn't really gotten better. No, if anything, it's like, maybe gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, like like Watanabe in Carolyn Tuesday is just as clumsy, just as if not more, if not more. Uh, like in Carol Tuesday, especially like I like the gender stuff is way worse. I yeah, I I remember I was so fucking appalled by the gender stuff that uh, I probably wasn't paying close enough attention to how it treated race to to pick up on everything going yeah, on there. I mean, but... I think one thing that is notable about Carol Tuesday is the direct involvement of several black musicians. Um, in mm. its production, specifically Thundercat and Denzel Curry. Um, oh, right. But, you know, which is, is very... Like, it, on the one hand, that is better than, you know, getting Yoko Kano to just imitate this wide this wide variety of different styles. And, like, you know, she's good at it, but, like, simultaneously, it's like, sh- these this isn't necessarily her music to represent authentically. Um, yeah. And simultaneously, that all of the music in Carol and Tuesday is way worse than the music in Cowboy Bebop. Um, so I don't know how they screwed that up. They got Thundercat and Denzel Curry, who are both great, and they made trash. I don't get it. <laughs> Car- Carol and Tuesday is just a curse. It is curse. Yeah, like, I don't understand how they managed to get raps that bad out of denzel curry he's a good rapper i've i complained about this in the carol and tuesday episode so i will complain about it no more but good grief they did him they did they did him dirty <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i yeah i don't think i have anything else yeah at this point at this point yeah, I there think was anything else there I was would, that i would say yeah, there was that uh that interview 
I don't I didn't I didn't save this in my notes and I wish that I had because there was an interview with like the the creators of the Netflix Cowboy Bebop where they were like, oh, Cowboy Bebop's future isn't dystopian. It's diverse. Um, And and I was like, it's both of those things, you know, like like on the one hand, I think it is cool that Cowboy Bebop manages to imagine a future that's as diverse as it is. You know, I brought up like the diversity of languages used on signage earlier, you know, and like it is it's a show about the marginalized and the downtrodden and people on the edges of society. And it does, in my opinion, largely okay by that with the exception of any time it tries to do it to to foreground it um you know and but when when it's as a background element it's pretty confident in it and as a foreground element it becomes clear that shinichiro watanabe has nothing to say about it or knows nothing about it other than a sort of vague frustration with the the with imaginings of the future that are like very white um you know which is like you know fair enough um, you know, I, I remember reading him talking in an interview that he was him being angry with the idea that the United States was the center of the of the universe and him being angry mm. and then Cowboy Bebop sort of coming out of wanting to imagine like a science fiction future that wasn't America centric. Um, yeah, yeah. That's why we get that's why the Western world is on that one like rando <laughs> moon. Welcome to it as scientists. Welcome to the Western world, motherfucker. But yeah, Nine Delights. Yeah, the, fir- the first of the Nine Delights is walking around. Fuck. Six out of five. Ten out of five. There's a lot of walking oh, there's a lot of walking around home. Let me let me bring this up. Um yeah, walking around there's there's yeah, ten out of five. Yeah, there's yeah, that's that's a five out of five for for damn sure. Absolutely. Um Fellowship. Five fellowship out of five. Fellowship is five out of five. Uh it's is it is it necessarily achieved? No. Is it? That's what the whole damn show is about. There's a lot of hanging out. Like the bulk of this show. Like even that though they they won't acknowledge that they're hanging out, they are hanging out. <laughs> they are hanging out. I was thinking at the end, like yeah. the, the, the 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 Fellowship of the Ring has failed. Yeah. Um, you know, it is ultimately a show about but, failure, but it's a show that contains it contains so much fellowship. It does. It really um, does. So much high quality fellowship. A little less deliciousness. Yeah, there's there's I'll some tasty fair. looking food occasionally in this show, there but is, I would I would maybe give us a two or a three. Usually they're 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 scraping by on yeah less than appetizing. I would not noodles. find the idea of eating thirty six hard boiled eggs that delicious. Transcendence five out yeah. of five. Yeah, goofing five out of five. Yeah, amelioration. Depend. There there are two, kind of a, a couple different ways you could go with this. I think. Yeah, like. Um, we can think about it in terms of because our characters largely it's a tragic ending for them you know our characters largely wind up without what they wanted you know they they are they wind up without what they wanted or they get what they want and they find out that it's bullshit you know yeah yeah um and certainly yeah like show broke my little heart uh but like i'm not yeah so i'm not sure but also simultaneously, uh, the ending still feels satisfying. Four out of five. Okay. Uh, coitus. <sighs> That's like a one. <laughs> yeah, Faye's Fa- uh, really hot, which is nice. But yeah, she never gets no, any. No, nobody gets any. Nobody fucks in this show. They're all... They, uh, here, here lies every goddamn character in this they show. They never scored. <laughs> never scored. Uh, yeah, one out of five. One out of five for Faye's uh, boobs. 
uh, enthrallment, five out of five. Five out of five. Yeah. Uh, what's your wild card? Ah, shit. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I could just pick, like, literally any cool thing and be another five out of five. Any good, like, aspect of of, of fiction that, that it possesses. But... Uh, I didn't have I didn't have anything planned for this. Do you have anything planned for I this? I will go with uh, the two that I have in mind are cyberpunkness and smoking. I want to. I feel like smoking is. I'm gonna go with cyberpunkness, and, I, and I, that is right. a, that is a five out of five. This show cyberpunk is fuck. Five, five out of five. All right, I think I'll, I think I'll go with cats, uh, and so this might just be a two out of five. Because uh, we get we get cats the cats there, are but... really good. That cat that float that's floating in zero gravity. Oh, I forgot about that cat. Yeah, that cat looks as. See, I was thinking about the cat in the clown episode, which is an evil cat. It's um, not an evil cat. It's just hanging out. It looked kind of malicious. <laughs> I don't know. Not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, between that cat and the and there's also the, uh, the big cat, the big fluffy cat that VT has. VT's cat. How did I forget VT's cat? Okay, four out of five. <laughs> we got, we got, we got, we got. We don't have, we don't have a main character cat, but we got enough real solid. We have a main character dog. Cats, and he's cute. Not, not, not a cat. cat. Not a cat. Uh, Alex, do you have a book to recommend? I do, I do. So this is an, this is an interesting one because when I when I read this book uh, a year year and a half ago, like I would not have expected to recommend it. I was actually pissed off about how it ended. <laughs> uh, uh, so the book is She Rises by Kate uh, Worsley. And it's a novel uh, in the 1700s, 1740, I think specifically, uh, about this girl, Louise, who um, is a young dairy maid in Essex. Um, but... It begins with when she um, loses her brother. Um, he, uh, he was he went into the either in, either into the navy or got um, press ganged uh, into the navy. Uh, and so when she gets the opportunity to work in a house in the city, she takes it up to try and find her brother. And so the book alternates between uh, her kind of coming coming of age story and then the story of Luke uh, on. Uh, press ganged on a on a, a British naval ship, and it kind of alternates back and forth between their stories, and then they come together at the end uh, in an incredibly cl- clever way. Um, but by that time, the g- uh, girl Louise has gone through so much shit and like become so traumatized that like she can't really function um in a in a in a normal society so she had been she had been the 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 maid for this um rich girl in the city and then they became very gay together uh and like this book has is has some of the the most gay stuff ever put to put to page like it's all inspiring <laughs> um but uh they get separated and at the end they're, they're reunited, but our girl is so kind of like fucked up by um, what she's experienced. I don't like I'm, not, I'm, I'm being a little vague because there's a there's a really co- cool twist um, during the story that like she can't 
really um, live a normal life with with this girl who um, who got uh, I forget if it was smallpox. I, mean, I think it was smallpox. Her face got all scarred, so she couldn't marry this rich merchant, and so she fell into poverty. But our our girl Louise comes back and finds her, and it it's like this perfect ending. But then our girl is um, like can't live a peaceful life and uh, becomes increasingly kind of like violent and um, eventually just like abandons her her little wife and uh, hops on a hops on a, a, a ship and, and and takes off and it's such a gut punch at the end um, that like it didn't feel like what the book was trying to do which is talking about kind of like how like anyone including like women can in- internalize certain like kind of toxic violent behaviors often associated with men and um and how they are kind of learned like learned behaviors uh that anyone in the right circumstances uh and subjected to the, the wrong sort of shit can uh take up but as much as i've thought about this book since i read it there's something to it um despite it frustrating me at times and despite it doing the very kind of British historical novel uh, thing of the author thinking she can get away with having her uh, narrator use the like historically accurate N word mm. uh, at, at certain periods. Um, so a lot of caveats to this book. Not a happy ending. There's some uh, racism uh, by the author, but it's the prose is remarkable like it like the some of the imagery and just like the 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 story of luke on the ship and um are so well written and it's insanely gay so uh i it's 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 interesting enough to be worth recommending so this is uh, she rises by kate warsley all right i'm gonna recommend two novellas because you can only buy oh. these two novellas together um <gasps> they are uh babel 17 and empire star by samuel r delaney um so i've rec- i think i recommended nova in the past which is a shame because i would have wanted to recommend nova for this one and i also have recommended hardwell wonderland and the end of the world in the past which i also would have wanted to recommend for this episode um but instead i will recommend two other delaney books so these books were originally sold separately but since the they were reprinted in 2001 they've been sold as like two halves of the same book um uh, they're not like related or anything like that but samuel delaney for some reason has always wanted these two books to be sold together because like back in the day sci-fi novels used to be sold with like the way that it's packaged is like one of them if you read the book in one direction it's it's one book uh and then like at the halfway uh, point the pages like flip upside down and then you can flip the book upside down and then read from the other cover inwards to get read the other book mm-hmm. um so and that that used to be a really common way that sci-fi books are packaged and they're not packaged like that anymore except this one so uh babel 17 is a book about um a there's like a space war um uh, and one one of the sides has developed this this weapon uh, which is a language called Babel 17. And so Samuel Delaney was at this point really into the Sapir Whorf hypothesis, which is the idea that the language that you speak influences the way that you think. And so Babel 17 is a language that w- when you learn it, you become basically like an like an unwilling like traitor to like your 
side of the war, basically. And and so it, it follows this this linguist. Uh, so, so yeah, so it's a really interesting book about um, yeah, like like this idea of like learning a language and it modifying your brain in a particular way. You know, and it and it changing like your physical abilities. Like it takes the sort of superior warf hypothesis to a level of absurdity. And it, it had a huge influence on a number of later books, including *The Dispossessed* by Ursula K. Le Guin, which is a great book. Mm. Um, and that book also plays around with some linguistic determinism because the language spoken by the anarchist moon colonists, they speak a constructed language that uh, doesn't have uh, a possessive case um, in *The Dispossessed*. Okay. Uh, it's been so long since I so read good. that book, uh, and so. So Empire Star is about a guy named Comet Joe who uh, lives on it's, – it's about, like, hierarchical organization of, like, ways of thinking. Um, and so he lives in a, in a simplex society on, on this, this planet around, uh, like, like, a moon orbiting around a gas giant or whatever. Uh, and he, get, he encounters these – alien beings the crash land on this planet that trans that can transform into crystals to uh like resist damage and, and dying and one of them turns into a crystal and then tells him like you need to bring me to empire star um and he's like i don't know what that is and then so he goes and talks to the smartest person on his planet uh who explains to him the difference between like there's like simplex and there's like multiplex societies and like different like levels of like how your brain can think about and and so he goes on this like long journey like across across the stars in order to deliver this message to Empire Star and um, discovers these these alien creatures that have that have been enslaved by by the Empire because they are incredible engineers. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a very strange book. The word scrotum appears on the second page. Um, <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad it's thing? It's a very Samuel R. Delaney thing. Um, yeah, so yeah, both of these books are, like, they're, they're not exactly thematically related, but they both deal with, like, the way, like, changing your way of thinking as changing the way that you perceive the world and the way that you act and, like, the way that some, like, your brain itself and, like, learning certain concepts can literally expand or contract the way that you can see the world galaxy brains. yeah it's a it's two books about galaxy brains um so yeah so that's those are Babel 17 and empire star by samuel r delaney which you can usually pick them up, up uh as a combo um so um next month i let me find, i don't know the director uh so the full title is lupin the third the woman called fujiko mine uh, uh directed by sayo yamamoto and produced by tms cool so yeah so that's what we'll be watching next month uh where can people find you on the internet alex online i am on twitter still for some reason uh done 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 mastodon for some reason catalina at selfie.army that's selfie with a y i stream video games i'm actually I was supposed to be streaming tonight, and this recording ran far yeah, over. Yeah, we've been recording. It's, be it's important. That I'm going to cut out so much of this podcast. We've been recording for almost five hours. We we are deranged. Uh, I I stream as I will be doing as soon as I go <laughs> off off the mic here at trash cloud. What about uh, you? I'm on Twitter at prophet underscore goddess. I'm on Mastodon at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton dot cool. 
Uh, I stream as well on Trash.Clad. You can find video games that I've made at ProfitGoddess.itch.io. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Anime is for Jerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at Anime is for Jerks at gmail.com. Nope, that's incorrect. You can find the show on Mastodon at Anime is for Jerks at Skeleton.Cool. You can email us at Anime is for Jerks at gmail.com. Uh, send us in your thoughts about Cowboy Bebop, but anything that we said in this episode, send us in your thoughts about what we're going to watch next month. Send us in your thoughts about anything we've watched in the past. I'm ready to hear it. I'm ready. Uh, yeah. And remember, there's nothing less important than anime. See you, Space Cowboy. Just a dream, you know, that's never ending.